0: Welcome to the Chords Crash Cast Pod. I'm your host Evets, and and this is Nodge. Nodge doesn't know and his I'm name. Tam. I'm sorry. Tam. See, Tam knows his name, but AKA. You... I want to see Me- you pull this one out.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, Migdoros.
0: No, you're not a gamrots. I'm not a gamrots. Okay. You, you, wow. He planned this. Not one a gamrots. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's actually a bit that they do on um, Ask Me Another. It's an NPR podcast, and like the end, they'll say their names uh, backwards.
0: So. But I, I did it. And I beginning. didn't know that in the yeah. beginning. Yeah, that's right. No, plagiarism is still plagiarism. That's even, true. Even in ignorance. Ignorant. We had yeah. this conversation. Yeah. And yeah. and
2: but I, like for a minute there, I thought he was doing. I thought we were going backwards. Like it felt weird. That was uncomfortable. I mean, also, you're easily confused, so. Well, that was uncomfortable. Like, it made me think
1: about <laughs> things.
2: I was going to play that backwards and tell us what we said, and we're not going to be proud of it. I'm going to beat him to it
0: <laughs> and release it alongside this one. Oh, God. All right. Well... I've been pretty consistently doing spiels for dozens of episodes now. Dozens upon dozens. Even for your guys' picks as Possibly well. Possibly hundreds. Possibly hundreds. Yeah, well. Actually, I, it's probably over hundreds. Hundreds. We, yeah. we can say hundreds after two hundred and one. and one. And change. Yeah, do you have to be over 201 for it to actually be considered hundreds? I mean, we're closer to... Do you count the decimal points? Yeah. Uh, I guess. I mean, we're closer to 250 than 200 at this point. Yeah.
2: We're okay. almost, you know, yeah,
1: that's we're, true. we're on our way to that. So. Technically,
2: we have more seasons than almost all of the BBC put
0: together at this point. Technically. Technically. Yeah, but I don't think when people say hundreds, when we talk about plural, we're talking about like the second quarter of an individual <laughs> set, which is what you're getting at. Yeah, essentially. Uh, Okay, but I do a lot of spiels. Can be great yeah, 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 a, no, a lot. Sure. As in, There's as in no many, disagreement there. Many yeah. all right. Well, I do that because of course the top of the show is where anything worth saying should be said before you know drowning ourselves in postulation, analysis, and review. But my own album spiels, that is, for my pick specifically, have definitely edged on the longer side of those because those albums were pretty weighted. And I, the reason they're pretty weighted is because I've actively been avoiding nostalgia bands. I've been trying to keep us working hard, discovering new things. And so this round, I thought I'd try for something easier actually Not easy. Don't don't read into that too much because this is not going to be a walk in the park. I'm just saying if you consider that my last few picks included exploring the history of an entire genre, and then before that the technical challenges that were scattering an Eno, then I guess you could say I wanted to at least lift those burdens off our shoulders at least. There will be different rivers to cross here, for sure. At best, easy here simply means familiar. And while I might not have been of this opinion over a decade ago, today I'd say there's nothing esoteric about the Flaming Lips. They're once fringed weirdness has in the end influenced an entire generation of experimental rock artists, and thus has left me with very little to say to a 2017 audience that hasn't already been said about them. But I'm going to say stuff anyway. Uh, Because there are are some things that actually quite surprised me in the course of this research. Did you guys know that the Flaming Lips formed in 1983? I had known that they were around before their kind of
1: rise to popularity in the 90s. Yeah. Um, But I didn't know how long.
0: Well, I I felt kind of sheepish that I only ever knew (laughs) their discography from whatever, maybe two albums prior to Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots up to, well, up to present. But, like, they were veterans beyond my wildest imagination. I was 20... years off. I actually thought they had formed, well, 15 years off. I thought they formed in the late 90s around the time the first album that I knew of was. So, yeah, completely floored me that they were that old. But I've known them since I was in high school. They were certainly very weird to me back then because the Flaming Lips, they were always kind of a visual band for me. They're Mm -hmm. notable for their all-around artistic sensibilities. They put a lot of effort into their live shows. Also their music videos are particularly well produced and they developed a distinctive psychedelic flair, which waxed and Wayne's as being my cup of tea or not. Depends on the setting, I wasn't obsessed with them, I had to be in kind of a carefree, not so serious, and also social mood in order to listen to them. I was just a freshman, actually, when Yoshimi came out. So yeah, that kind of dominated high school as being one of the most popular albums of that four year period. And it
2: actually if you do the math, now you can
0: figure out how old Steve is. That's also yeah, true. Feel did free I say to that? post Shit. that on the I am ballad. definitely the youngest of, of the three of us. That's but true. But the oldest at heart. That is also true. Yes,
1: but definitely. yeah, that album particularly for me is what kind of like I recognized that at the time as a return for them. Like, it was kind of a big leap into pop culture for them. Mm-hmm. And so I had known they'd been around before that. But again, I didn't know how long before until you mentioned now. And I remember that album pretty distinctly. I'd never bought it, but I remember a lot of my friends at the time listening to it. And I liked it. I never had any issue with them. They were just one of those bands that, as we've discussed on the show previously, they're one of those bands I kind of liked from afar. I never really dug deep into them.
0: It's, it's hard to avoid, even though I don't really subscribe to a lot of top. Top lists, top 10, top 50, whatever they did make it onto the 50 bands top 50 bands to see before you die Uh, in other words, see the lives which is, I think, a a fairer generalization to make because you're hearing from people who actually went to the live shows and they can all agree it was pretty incredible, regardless of whether they were even a major fan of the band or not they put on an amazing show, usually lots of pyrotechnics, lots of mist, lots of, very atmospheric, and uh, yeah, I heard all of that on Yoshimi. Well, and they also
1: kind of had the same kind of cult following that, you know, like, um, Grateful Dead had, and and those kinds of bands. I think they're kind of in the vein, not necessarily of
0: jam bands, but the same kind of cult popularity that a lot of jam bands have. That's actually a good point, at least in terms of their abstract approach, mm-hmm. which is actually one of the reasons why I chose them as an artist to do today, because sometimes you might have a hard time seeing what the end goal is for them on an album scale, like a lot of tracks even on Yoshimi stood alone, I could take them and just kind of listen to them independently, I didn't have to do that as the concept album, you know, front to back experience as it it was for many people, but it would be interesting to see, I thought, how their whole style translates to our album breakdown format, or whether it would need to even be reconsidered for the sake of a record like this, if, you know, we don't we're not often too kind with consistently atmospheric works that don't seem to have a point, and yet Uh, Wayne Coyne, lead singer, the mastermind behind this group, he said a lot of stuff comes from stream of consciousness. It's not the kind of material to be taken as seriously. It's more about, like I said, the visual experience. The the sake of being there. And And kind of how it makes you feel as well. Yeah. So, well, today we will be seeing how that translates to an album called Well, that's kind of interesting. Actually, phonetically, it looks like Aksimlody. There's even a video of Wayne Coyne pronouncing it exactly like that, as he explains in a somewhat incoherent fashion how he came up with the title. It was inspired by the uh, Polish for Eyes of the Young or Young Eyes, so Aksimlody is actually what he thought it sounds like, but there are actually a lot of phonetic translations here, uh, pronunciations that appear more like Achi Mwodi. And there's also a heap of Polish people pissed at him on the same YouTube video because Uh they say it's neither correctly said nor elaborated on terribly well as to why he chose that expression beyond simply liking the sound of the name. Uh, but on the first count to his credit, Polish words and names are notoriously not phonetic to English speakers, much more so than its neighboring Germany. And guess what? On the second count, it's even hard to find a consensus on this. Some people say it's a weird expression, period. Like, even for Poles, they say it's weird to to say that expression, that you mm-hmm. wouldn't find it typically. Because after all, it did appear in a translation of Erskine Caldwell's novel Close to Home. Uh, it was a secondhand book that Wayne Coyne discovered, and the title of that in Polish is Blisko Domu, so it may have just been like the sake of, for the sake of translation it was something that the translator had to kind of like wedge in there and it doesn't right. really, it sounds kind of awkward to polls I, I i really don't know to be honest but you could definitely infer from that that he liked the words primarily due to the sound rather than the meaning and there are actually several different ex, uh, track titles various yeah. things on this record that come from i assume that very book because it inspired him
1: yeah and speaking to the kind of bizarre circumstance of how they came to the Title of the album. I think that's the same kind of free-spirited thinking that led them to this album cover that we have here, which is very surprisingly very Christmassy almost because it's a lot of greens and reds. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's just a combination of the two. It's too guys. neon to be that's true. Not but, a lot of not a lot of pink and Christmas. But it's it's it, oxymoly, which is that, how then. we're kind of pronouncing it here, even though it's clearly wrong. I guess um, appears in this weird kind of organic-looking font. Um, there's a humanoid head. The the flaming lips appears much smaller under the album title, also in a weird kind of organic font,
0: a very three D, fading into the background in in blue haze. It's just
1: it's it's a very odd take on whatever it's supposed to be.
2: Well, it's it definitely seems to be borrowing very heavily from 1980s art and specifically 1980s album covers. I'm going to definitely point that out with uh, the clear-cut design of most of the coloration. The it looks like just
1: cut-out shapes.
2: Yes, and the concentric uh, waves that are coming off of the focus of the piece, the skull itself, and not just
0: the skull, but the... The part that goes far I, I back. I guess
2: the penetration from back of skull to eye, and then the explosion from the front oh, of face. I have a friend
0: who's an optometrist, and now that, that, that part is going to elude me, the part that goes way back, um, like I, into from the eye to the brain, the connection that is made right there. So at least you have the eye connection from young eyes. I don't really infer youth from this so much. You yeah, know, I mean, maybe that's a snowman. I don't know. I'm pulling on this one yeah. more than I he, really feel he like. He really looks before. like a maybe that, snowman.
2: No, no, over on the left hand side. Yeah, I know. He's, weird, he's got the weird shape. like punch faced in snowman thing that's
0: going on. N- there yeah, on see left. that. Yeah, that's, that's weird. That smash in the face is not really snowmanny. No, well, maybe that's, maybe he got upset with said snowman and and punched and punched it. it?
2: Yeah, maybe there's violence involved with this, so I don't really see that translating to what the music we're about to discuss. I think but the album
1: cover is about as clear as the messaging in the whole album. So,
2: <laughs> Well, the, the, the <laughs> things you can point out is that the concentric rings do a lot to make the individual and very pared-down detail work of the head yeah. become the center of your experience, just in the visual stimulation of what the cover is doing. And that is Fair actually... Enough. I think very important and very indicative of the music that we're going to get. In in hindsight, it definitely speaks to a lot of the simple tones and even tones that we're going to get in the album, because everything is very even, well-balanced, and set in contrast to one another in the artwork.
0: But yet at the same time, kind of psychedelic. Yes, yeah, n- like, more than kind of. There's more disorder in psychedelia than there is order, so... To me, that's a bit of a contradiction. Well, contradiction is definitely going to be one of those things that I think is going to come up in this album discussion. All right. So surreal within a confined, understandable, digestible form. Yeah, I would say that. Surreal psychotropics. Should we go to the uh, the closing bump? <laughs> Is that the album? All right, no. There's there's a lot of interesting stuff to say about even just the first track here. Oxy, Melody, which we're going to stick with the way uh, Wayne Coyne said it himself rather than our theories of the way it might actually sound in and Polish. If, and if you're Polish and you're unhappy with that decision, then you can email us. No, at go to Wayne Coyne. <laughs> this time I am passing the buck. All right. Excellent. Um... <laughs> this is interesting, because actually we might have a situation here where we have one and a half title tracks. Uh, obviously the first track, the verbatim title track, track one, Oxymelody, and then, much later on, well not much, a kinda sorta title track in track four, Sunrise, with parentheses, parentheses, that thing that bands love to do to track titles everywhere because yep. they can't make up their damn minds, uh, Eyes of the Young. So it's Sunrise, Eyes of the Young, kind of translating it for us, which... Well, I didn't even consider that when I first uh, listened to this album, whether there was a direct connection between track four and track one. Let's see now. I don't
1: know that there really is, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. So Oxum Lodi is an instrumental intro track.
0: Um, Let's get the stupid stuff out of the way first. Yeah. It's pretty ambient. It's pretty electronic. It's kind of 80s. Yeah. It's It's a little voxy.
2: Yeah. It's it's, it's that kind of, I'd expect this
0: to be like, preset settings on a keyboard kind of a situation. Uh, yes, actually, that's a good yeah, observation. Sure. Uh, here's, first, let me just get that 80s thing. It's 80s, but it's also not. And if it is, so what? I don't really associate this band as being stuck in that era anyway. Looking back, their stuff in the 80s actually sounded kind of fresh. Their stuff in the 90s sounded very 90s. And yeah. their stuff in the 2000s sounded kind of fresh again. So that's an interesting uh, band arc. I, I guess as a result, I feel they kind of earned the chance to look back. But then there is that that... Synth effect which I guess takes me back to the 80s more than anything else first of all from the beginning There's a thump which is followed by a sort of a vibraphone like reverberation almost almost the dystopian intro when I say that in kind of a loose way. But then the electronic beat just drops in with the main figuration and a solemn four-chord progression descending in minor, one, seven, six, five, with, like I said, the most melodic component probably being the most 80s thing on this album, at least to my ears. That's the synth effect made to sound a little bit more woodwind-like. It's somewhere between a sax and a flute, and yes, it is a common setting on the keyboard. Uh, It sort of has a breathy finish to it. It, all said and done, these components are composing something of a four piece band.
2: And this is where I'm going to say that it feels a little bit more throwback to the 80s than of something more modernized when you come to synth work, because while the tones themselves, are kind of those timeless synth tones, sort of like the ones that you tend to go to when you're first learning out, which that's not a negative, that's not a positive. That's just their choice. But the presentation, the delegation of some to rhythm section and some to melodic section seems to be that they're really just doing a four-piece setup. And this is what I feel really does bring it back because that's not the sort of thing I would expect from modern-day electronica,
0: which this actually can kind of fit within that realm. Somewhere between electronica and a traditional band.
2: Yeah, it's in that gray area, which is what was so great about a lot of the unusual things that came out of the 80s. Mm
0: Well, yeah, but that said, I think
1: it existing in that middle place here, I'm okay with. I I don't really mind that it it sounds like a real band leaning more electronic. Real band, finger quotes. You know, a four-piece band. But that said, just to get out of the way, what I like about it, I think, is that... It was easy enough to go along for the ride here because of how ethereal it felt and because it was an instrumental and because it was accessible, I kind of just took it as it was and kind of flowed along with it. And I really like instrumental tracks that do that, especially when it's an intro track, it's only a few minutes long. I thought it was a nice um, starter piece for me, especially as someone who's not hyper-familiar with the Flaming Lips and only know
2: a few of the hits. Well, as we go along, there is a very steady build of introducing new sound lines to Mm -hmm. it, or... Screwing slightly with previous sound lines with only just touches of dissonance touches of comping Only a little bit just actually taking you out of the very standard beat very steady rhythm and the very even flow of everything that's going on
0: Yeah, it's it's subtle developments And actually I thought the the beat work it might be one of the things that evolves the most here There is the initial drop which is then followed by sort of a a rattle and then a pitter-patter And then later you get something that's actually more basic it goes back to that You know run-of-the-mill electronic pop popping, and then a hi-hat, popping, hi-hat, and then around two minutes and five seconds, the beat cuts out completely, leaving just the breathy sax synth, which, that was kind of interesting because the track took a step back instead of forward. You know, a lot of tracks begin like this, exactly in the manner in which this track began. It adds layer after layer, it builds and builds and builds, but this doesn't really gain a lot of steam before it just cuts the engines, and that kind of worked in its favor. You're just left with the breathy sax, which is mostly the same figuration, except for, you know, a few added harmonies on top, and then it just holds the minor one, with the second scale degree suspended at the top. I'm not sure if that was a full ninth or not, but it was kind of beautiful, and then it drags, and then reiterates itself one more time, and just when you think this is the last note of the piece, the chord changes for probably the first time in the entire piece. I think they left us on a four chord, which is an interesting note of suspense at the tail end of this not very long intro. Like it wasn't just an isolated segment, they used it to trans to transition into something else,
1: yeah, and I think and I think it was a strong transition point into how the second track. I think that ending it that way kind of gave us a little bit of surprise in the end that made for a nice focal shift as we go into the first track,
2: like a substantial track with lyrics. it was a good part of scaping. not 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 spacescaping, landscaping, but of like working with the clay and just adding it was those molding, extra even yeah adding those extra little uh scrapes with the chisel or something like that just to add that final little definition so that your framework stepping into the next piece you know where you're coming from where you're
0: going though is might be out of left field because you in- know that description I just had to interrupt that kind of gave <laughs> me a visual to this that I didn't you know originally I'm thinking like dystopia because this it's really hard to to even describe <laughs> this kind of it's oh, yeah. but I but when you said sculpting I actually started picturing this as if it was like I hear the Piece in my head, I hear the title track, and then all of a sudden I'm thinking against marble walls of like a museum. Yeah. Where I'm actually I see exploring, that. you know, still images, something that actually is kind of abstract in its own way, mm-hmm. but also very much in the same manner we described the cover, being kind of digestible in the fact that it can't be really threatening. It's a marble statue. It's just sitting there in the middle of a room full of present- presentation. There's not mm-hmm. a lot going on. It's sterile marble walls, but then this one singular art piece. It's a strange mix of the sterile and the surreal. I think that's actually a great way to describe it.
2: But I don't think it truly adequately sets you up for the second track how? Yeah. All right. Double question, question marks. marks. Yeah. Double question mark. He, it's not just how, it's how? how? Yeah, like, exactly. You Emphasis. Gotta write, you gotta write that inflection, <laughs> which is weird because there's really no rise in inflection for any of the vocals that are going on right not here. really, no. He's background. He's weak. They're, they're nearly they're nearly
0: just dripping along everything else. Almost like they feel like a piece of the reverb itself. Well, let me go back to something you said. You, you said it didn't really set you up for this track and I, I'm a little bit mixed on that. In many ways I feel it's kind of the reverse. Rather that it set up something else as if you were going to get the next stage of the story. In many ways I felt it was very consistent. If you're just looking at the beginning of, of How, it's you know, a slightly flatted E-flat minor. I feel like it was just a little bit south of E-flat minor, but certainly not D, on alternating down to the major six, and that was the overall the chord progression for much of this piece, but otherwise it's a similar texture overall to track one. Same synth, you can relax to this in much of the same way with just that hint of there being something amiss and, uh, you know, zone out to the kind of slow beat that's going on here. This one, two, a three, four, one, two, a three, and 4. Sometimes it, it puts little, you know, things in there in the 3 in the third beat, but otherwise it's it's generally that over the same texture. But the no, nah, it's not exactly the same texture. That's that's where things
2: are going to start changing because the texture feels a little bit brighter. I may be generalizing. It's a sure. little bit sharper, more crystalline. It's it's got a <laughs> it's got edges to it that I think really weren't present in the smoothness of the first piece. So, I'm I'm seeing Less scapes going on right here. Less sculpting going on right here. And more like we're having a more defined tool work that we really didn't get in the first one. Well, and there's more scene setting here because, I mean, in the
1: intro to this track, there's like bird chirping and the that mixed with the synthy intro. I mean, it was very 90s to me. Also with his vocals, like I just felt
2: uh, a 90s alt rock in here, but like the softer side of it. Actually, it was those different tools, like the bird sound pieces, and not only that, but the, the swoops that would sound just like the birds, but be synthesized, those were what, were, what was doing the textures from the first track. Those were those textures, right. but it was a different set of tools doing that sort of stuff, and that was what was setting me up as a different type of piece, and I don't really feel like they
0: are one leading directly into another. Well, like, after verse 1, closer to the pre-chorus, there were some things here that were definitely new, such as, uh, it almost sounded like a remixed form of static, but it also feels like it's mimicking brass. And this is just, I think Mm -hmm. this was during the pre-chorus, I tried to tell you, but I don't know how... And then also when you go into the chorus, how? I think it's still there a little bit. And of course the chorus is where the beat drops. You get more of that, yeah, you do get more of that brassy static. And and the vocals, I don't know, I don't have the same 90s comparison because the vocals are very secondary here, you know? Wayne Coyne is always kind of a lot of times he does purposely drown himself in the background and he kind of lets the music take over or lets his voice become an instrument as many you know rock singers want to do but I guess that was just as common in the 90s as it was in the 2000s it's just I don't I don't see it as being a the era is of unimportance I guess for me it's more how he's
1: singing not the fact of how it's in the mix but the fact that he's got this kind of gravelly voice that lends into a wine is something I equate to 90s alt rock that that said, that's a very loose connection. Um, I think for me here, those synth and uh, almost brassy sounds you were talking about, they're almost reminiscent of the Brahm sound (laughs) we talked about a little bit with uh, Mike Rognetta, only because... It's the deep resonance of it, but they're more clipped. Like, the Brahms tend to ring out and fade, yes. and these are more... Like, they have the
0: same kind of ringing out to start, and then they're very clipped. Well, first of all, just to give our listeners some context, he's referring specifically to the kind that you'd find, like, in a lot of Hans Zimmer work, like mm-hmm. Inception, the common, you know, trailer that was used. It's yeah. the first thing that anybody knew yeah. about the film going in, was yeah. that, hey, that's a weird sound. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of been a little overdone since. This is, Still, yeah. it's interesting. I wouldn't equate this as closely, but... It, it's because it, it's more of a bass track. It doesn't have that full range, you know, I know. Of all like the said, instruments that Hans Zimmer was it's using. Reminiscent, it's reminiscent, just but down in the bass register, and that's it.
1: Right. It's reminiscent. It lends me to feel something a little similar, but it, like I said, it definitely doesn't have the loud resonance or ringing out that those sounds. This feel. feels boxier,
0: and I think that's the distinction.
2: And it's trying to accentuate the the vocals and I don't think it's doing a particularly enticing job especially when it starts really beating on the chords itself and every time how comes in it's being used to promote that word and the word is still kind of getting lost on top of everything else it's kind of getting washed out because while yes it may be working in tandem with it in the most basic sense it's also kind of overpowering and kind of a little bit on the too loud side to hear even him trying to ring out that that airy breathy how yeah it's it's actually turning me off from enjoying the vocals and that's something i did not want to happen
1: yeah and see it didn't i didn't go that far i did still enjoy the vocals but i will agree that the lyrics beyond hearing them as a sound Didn't really do much for me. And there's not a lot of complexity here either. But like the repetition of Howe was very musical. And I did like that. The way he kind of alternates the tones and kind of fluctuates in his voice. But the
0: actual verse work, I was kind of take or leave with. Well, this may be a, a minor point here, but you know, at th- when we started talking about this track, you dis- you both had the same idea behind the inflection of this, that it was more filled with anger than anything else. How? You know? It's not so much that. It feels yeah. more like a plea than anything else. You <laughs> know, from the pre-course, I tried to tell you, but I don't know how. And then he follows that up with how? How? Yeah, how, like how can I? It's right. a kind of a question to his himself, and to me that actually is kind of nice when you combine that with the style of speaking, yes. uh, the 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 reverb. You know, it actually makes everything quite pretty. It's not it's not prominent, but I like the fact that it's not prominent. Right. It just kind of hovers above everything. Uh, yes, drowned in reverb, but pretty nonetheless.
2: I, I actually thank you for calling us out on that because that was not my intention. Yeah. I didn't realize it yeah. until you brought that up. That it kind of I, I may have been pretending. It is definitely pleading here. But to get back to the second verse, specifically the second verse, where the beat tries to build upon itself, tries to gain some steam. I think it doesn't ultimately succeed in building up that steam. I think it just succeeds in complicating itself. There is a and little, that's the
0: problem I've got going on. Definitely a little bit of stagnancy in this piece uh, leading up to verse 2. Um, actually, by this point in the piece, I think my problem was that the overall blanket of synth and air was a little bit substanceless <laughs> to me. Yeah, uh, neat, that. but substanceless. Until, of course, the bridge. The bridge was quite interesting because, of course, the bridge, you have this change in chord progression. Suddenly now, it's, it's uh, a rising sensation. Each line, in fact, each line of the bridge backwards When we were young we killed everyone and they go to a higher chord if they fucked with us with our baby guns we go to a higher chord and then when we land with we were young with our baby guns we were young with our baby guns then it it kind of releases into this really really nice groove Mm -hmm. that it, it was quite a step up for this piece i thought of course, we've had this problem before throughout the history of this podcast. It doesn't really last, and it doesn't really inform what happens afterwards. You know, we do just go back to verse 3 and and uh, another pre-chorus, chorus round. Yeah. But, but ultimately— I like the, like the time we spent there.
2: Yes, and but the, the fact is, ultimately, I'm disappointed with the bridge in hindsight. The sure. bridge, honestly, had that been a further integration— Possibly even earlier, like to go that kind of trippy comparatively to what was originally set up with this piece. Yeah, it could have gone into so many different places, so many different areas, and then circling back to home, sort of like a de-evolution from something crazy. That would have been like phenomenal, and that would have made this the, the 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 sameness of the synth, the simplicity of that synth beat, not ju- not bearable or anything like that, but actually enticing because it was that one lifeline for you. But here, we only briefly get a glimpse into any sort of madness that would have, like, informed us of that sort of complication. And it was it was that brief burst of energy, brief burst of taste, and then it was just removed.
0: I overall agree with that, yeah. but I do think it's time to maybe start reintroducing that point I said I was going to make at the outset, how maybe this, this album would require a little bit of a different lens. Uh, we always come back to the you know the album structure and the track structure in the end, but I did say all that at the top of the show about the Flaming Lips and how they have a psychedelic flair. They always kind of did. There's a little bit more atmosphere in their work, which means, of course, the purpose of these pieces are probably more to just sit back, zone out as you would in their concert. You'd want to ideally do the same thing with uh, this particular album. And even track of this length, it's not that long of a track. It's still a pop length. I think you, it, it, in many ways, it comes across as being a little bit longer. And for once, I don't think that's a negative for me I as long agree. as you were as long as you were attuned to that particular setting you're sitting with a few friends this is on in the background i would feel very comforted with a track like this and then for a moment within that track the bridge i would be kind of enlightened actually there's something else i want to bring up and this actually speaks against
2: what you just said specifically on a headphones listen <laughs> Not just this piece, but as the album as a whole, and I'm going to bring it up now so that you can keep this in mind. The mixing is extremely interesting. The play between the left and right ear and volume control in those ears is actually very enticing to give a different texture. So, as opposed to just in a setting where you can enjoy it, maybe in a group or in the ambient nature... It has a different kind of flavor when you're actually listening to it very closely, in your ears you and, and that's very It's really funny experience. you bring this
0: up because I, I, I don't often mention this on the show, but I do often have a tendency to sample these albums a little bit in mono. Like mm. you go through it in stereo, and then on one or two listens, I will not listen to the entire track in mono, but a lot of times I do this thing where when I connect it to my piano so that way I don't have to have two sets of headphones going on, so I can mm. just kind of like play along with it here and there. Uh, I only have the one chord that goes into the piano, so it only translates to mono. The output kind of gets condensed into a mono input, and that's how it plays out of the keyboard headphones. You get the stereo keyboard, but you get the mono version of the album, Mm -hmm. in which case you do compress that mixing a little bit. And in this case, I was quite surprised at how much got lost in that uh, stereo to mono transition. You go back to the stereo, and it's like, whoa, there's quite a bit more going on here.
1: Well, I would say, though, that both of your points just add to the diversity that this album brings. I don't necessarily agree that one is better than the other. I think that they're both alternative ways of listening and finding different
2: strengths in the record. Which I I wanted to bring up now because some of this is going to be lost in translation as we go through the album, but it is an artistic bonus, an artistic addition to this album that... uh, in spite of any problems I'm already having with the first two pieces and what I'm actually going to have in the third piece, there should be unicorns. There is still additional stuff here that doesn't quite translate to our dissection of the individual chords. Anyway, moving on to track three, there should be unicorns. This this is something that I was actually very happy for. It seems to flip the palette that we're
0: working with. Yeah, I mean, inclined do agree with two points there because of course, Uh, the palette, yeah, is flipped a little bit by the bass drop in the beginning and, well, I already described bass drop in this album, so that's why I agree with the point you said just before that, because there's tough, there's difficult things here to convey. You say bass drop and it doesn't really, like, what I said back in oxymlody is not really what I mean here. Here it's more like an amplifier or a PA system uh, is like exploding or at least being pushed to the limit. There is a lot of reverberation there, and there is I I really loved the texture of this particular track. I thought it really kicked it up a notch. Um, but even despite the the doom bass, you know this track kind of took more of a positive turn, which is is you know that's mix and match with me. Uh, they started off kind of uh, a little bit noirish, and now all of a sudden this track feels almost peaceful in its D major setting. But yet you still have the doom bass. Um, but there's a lot of drones alongside peaceful drones. And then there's this pulse alongside, which has kind of an uplifting bounce to it as well. And a one, and two, and a three, and four. And that's a weird mix of things. And it feels like it's coming out of a 1994
2: Dell. And that's the <laughs> thing I want to bring up. This is sort of like error noises from the a uh, uh, Windows 3.1 dying on you. Okay. Compact. Go for something that actually is dated. <laughs> it, it feels like uh, I still use we're Dell. going away from synth work and going to straight up computer sound systems and that that's where that palette really changes for me yeah because they're it, sharper noises they're brighter noises they're they're edged out even as edged as the sound sounded in Howe, this one has almost a coldness
0: to it that I wasn't quite expecting it sounds kind of like bongos like compressed bongos make bongos smaller maybe, and, and maybe then, top and then I'll, like, on top trytify them and cram them inside a compact then you have compact, compact bongos.
1: I will say the first thing that stood out <laughs> about this track, though, that I didn't like as much as the previous track is the vocals here. I thought the vocal delivery here, I don't know, felt a little staler than the previous track. Although I will say, and we didn't mention this earlier, this track does feature Reggie, Reggie Watts, who does the vocal outro, which is kind of like a storytelling spiel. I mean, it's what Reggie Watts does. We'll get to, get to, to get that. To him. Yeah. But I wanted to at least give him credit where credit's due as far as him doing being featured on the track. But the vocals that, uh, Wayne is doing here just feel more even to me, and I've, I liked the diversity of the previous track.
0: Let's read just a little bit of this because, uh, I need to convey exactly why the Flaming Lips, I don't think they should be taken as seriously as some other bands. Wayne Coyne admits that a lot of his stuff is, like, stream of consciousness. It's, it's, you know, random wisps of ideas that come to his head in many ways. The same way he came up with Oxymlody. Hey, uh, Thing, I like the sound, Oxymlody, he described it in that video as sounding like a drug. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. (laughs) Really, not the deepest of explanations here, but yet they can kind of still, they're almost a visual component in themselves. And so you read lyrics like this and they they look nice, they almost sound nice, but I, I wouldn't try to piece the story together. Yeah, there should be unicorns, the ones with the purple eyes. It should be loud as fuck, hope the swans don't die. There should be burning sun and naked slaves and if the police show up, we'll give them so much money it will make them cry and forgive us. There should be unicorns, the ones with purple eyes, not the green eyes. There should be unicorns, the ones with purple eyes, not the green eyes. I feel like that might be a it reference feels... to
2: Charlie the unicorn, who I believe had purple eyes. Because I a... have to draw it back. No, there. it's 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 like, it's an old e-bomb's world. He's, yeah, oh, he's okay. being facetious no, a little it's long bit. Ago. Okay, I it's thought... not it's not actually bearing on. I thought on that this was something
0: else (laughs) but anyway
2: it feels like he's going for like yeah something trippy and just to be messful I, I think if you it's dig in, really
1: hard, I feel like there's some kind of you could you could assume a sort of social messaging that's probably not even there about equality and the police and blah blah blah. But I don't that's really. That's
0: just a throwaway line, though. But I but mean, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying is I think. All right, he made a, he made a passive uh, I guess nod toward bribery. Well, but, and he's also asserting a certain type
1: of unique magical creature. Like magical creature's is not enough; it has to be that specific one. Right,
0: well, I mean, and so that point is yeah. I, I, People who are fans of the Flaming Lips, again, would think this is a ridiculous conversation. Yeah. And that's what the point that's I want right, to get right. at. Because, again, we need to pick our battles here. Sometimes sure. we're like, we really should have looked at lyrics more intensely. Here, I think to do so would be would be a fallacy. Right, and I'm agreeing. I'm just making exaggerated
1: points that show how far you'd have to stretch to actually find more deeper and, meaning. And now
2: welcome all comments to the contrary. Being like, right. you're
0: not reading into him
2: enough. Which we welcome. And to go back to the what... Matt said a little bit a while ago, specifically on the vocals. They're wispy, they're even tone, and they're delivering kind of nonsensical things. To have that coupled with this sort of Doppler, not even Doppler, a sine wave effect of what's going on, where it rises and then it lowers, and then it raises again and it lowers. And it's going through a very steady motion it it nullifies a lot of what's going on right, right here not even making it feel numb just kind of whitewashing it and that's a word i don't want to use i don't want I, I feel like i might be one of those words i'm going to use a lot whitewashing yeah kind of just plays on top of all of it where the vocals feel like they are a lower level to a lot of the other things going on. I
0: do think there are a lot of elements here that, even though they may not literally blur everything together, there is a lot in this album that is certainly crisp You know, to, to the yeah. ears. I, I have no trouble picking this stuff out. But to the brain, after a certain amount of minutes of exposure, then you can kind of look back on it and be like, I, I only get the sense that, that one thing happened, and not that it was this busy array of things. It was all collectively blended. And maybe that's their goal but for instance another uh, another blurring effect here is his vocals like i almost don't even hear these lyrics but uh, you can hear them but still the vocal delivery is so pitchy and whiny almost cult like as if it's summoning something and and that's not far away to go for his vocals either he's been doing that since the 90s it's just interesting the effect that it's having here in this record when you combine it with this particular uh, palette of electronic Instruments,
1: Right, and I think that that's noticeably more stark when Reggie's vocals come in because he's delivering it in a more sonorous kind of deep delivery, yeah. whereas compared to the whiny, pitchy nature of Wayne, it obviously stands out and steps forward.
2: Yeah, it doesn't feel quite as homogenous as everything else kind of ended up being here. He's He's sort of doing the... 1984 Orwellian doom voice. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about doom pieces, and he's this, this got a great voice. deep voice. Also, is, he does that.
0: Reggie Vo- Reggie Watts has a very adaptable kind of voice. He yeah. can transform his voice into anything. I when I first heard it, I, di- I did not notice the featuring Re- Reggie Watts uh, qualifier, but and I was actually looking up like, what actor is that? What actor is that? Instead, it's just it's Reggie Watts. If you heard him, and it makes sense, and certainly the content here seems like the kind of thing he would lend his voice to. Uh, again, don't infer too much from this, but it begs to be read. At first, there should be unicorns. The ones with purple eyes, not the ones with green eyes. Whatever they give them, they shit everywhere. And it would be great if the moon was almost down, like in a very red-orange state. (laughs) Let's leave it like that for at least three hours, hovering just above the horizon. And if the police show up, we will give them so much money they can retire from their shitty, violent jobs and live the greatest life they've ever lived. And we will be high. And the love generator will be turned up to its maximum. And we'll get higher when, at last, the sun comes up in the morning, and we will collapse under the weight of the ancient earth, and it will be inside me, and it will be inside you, and will be the end of the world and the beginning of a new love. You put a lot more inflection into that than he did. Yeah, well, it's also the outro. It's like a coda, you know, on yeah. the end of this piece. You barely even recognize it because, again, some of the words they they cross over with what already has been said. Yeah, it's just a strange elaboration. Well, yeah, and that
1: strange elaboration almost adds more. Meaning towards kind of what I was saying earlier a little bit like when he talks about how the police can leave their shitty and violent jobs and go be rich somewhere else like it almost still when he says it sounds like there's some kind of social message, but again, it's so ridiculous. Oh that come on, but it's, barely... it's But it's the
0: obvious one at, at its basis. Yeah, and, well, and, that's and, it's, what I'm and it's a little heavy-handed, which I think maybe it was a it was the kind of line he- like meant to just sort of go in there to be like, what what was just said? Almost yeah. like what we experienced, you know, if you're listening to uh, one of the Dan Bull tracks from right. three weeks ago, you hear a, a line in passing, and then it's just like, oh wait wait, was that was that <laughs> that kind of is controversial? But then you go on because you realize that a lot of other stuff is. Being said in the same breath, right? That's that. And
2: you know me; I'm the social warrior that loves to find all the messages that are extremely important, and I'm just not seeing it. No, I'm of not course not. Again,
1: that. it's a stretch. I, I just I think... will
2: make that stretch, and I'm just
1: not I'm not reaching on this one. Well, right. I don't. I have no uh, deep desire to make that point. I'm just saying that when elaborated on, you can still pick out maybe a
0: little more, but barely. I'm going to do it for you in one sentence. There is a utopia in his mind, and you may not understand it, and it may not translate well, (laughs) but the track is that utopia. Okay. Track right. for Sunrise, Eyes of the Young. This is our one and a, our, our half title track, kind of, sort of, not really. I would uh, actually say the intro might be the half, and this might be the full piece, because the introduction being a musical
2: and being sort of like, here's what the album's going to be like tonally, that might be the half
0: in this case. That's a good and, point. That if you look at the track and not just the, tar- the title, which is well, narrow. <laughs>
1: well, and also, I mean, even in tone, this song, when it first starts, does have... A, a, a similar feel to Oxy Melody, at least in how kind of light
0: it is. Um, but know. a lot of this album can also be re- equated to many other tracks. That's you know, there true. is a similar a similarity in texture. Yeah. Certain pieces definitely do stand out. And actually, you know, this stood out in a very specific way. Of course, it starts off with kind of a tinny piano sound. Mm-hmm. Haven't really gotten that yet. Uh, against the beat, which is fairly slow here. One, two. And four, and one, two, go on like that. Uh, They do spice it up a little bit, but this took almost a traditional turn for like half a second. You know, you go through the verse, the sunrise insists on gladness. But how can I be glad? Now my flower is dead. Oh, sun, I see you happy. You've made the morning dew. Now you're showering me the truth but I don't want to believe you, believe you, believe you. And at that moment, when he says, I don't want to believe you, there's something in the resolution here, which, like I said, almost rings of like a traditional tune. The chord progression here really reminds me of that old standard, you know, I did it my way. Just listen to that line and that chord progression right over these final two chords. I believe it's the same. I didn't, but oh, it's the same. It totally is. I know but, but what that piece actually does, as much as it, it may be borrowing,
2: it may not be, I really don't care because what it goes into, the guitar work, the really 1960s or 70s, it's almost psychedelic guitar work that it goes into, is just pure enjoyable for me at this it, moment. Kind of it was a nice breath that I felt like was really necessary, something to ground us in... A little bit more real musically.
0: Well, first of all, it's the first uh, full-body instrumental I guess we've had in a while. Although again, there's not still really. th- you know, there's a lot of space in general. I think between his vocals on this album, but th- more pronounced here because this is a strange track for not having a chorus. Yeah. Um. There's three verses, and then there's these two instrumentals. One is between verse one and two. The next is between verse two and three. And we were almost debating whether those instrumentals almost function as a kind of chorus. I at first thought so, but then I kind of doubled back and uh, changed my mind because, of course, there's not a lot in those instrumentals that is really anchoring you. Instead, those are the sections that are pushing content, and it's really the verses that anchor you in the end.
1: Well, and I was initially inclined to even call them a sort of instrumental progressive chorus, but as John pointed out, progressive choruses kind of exist in this place where they're designed to push the narrative along with the same music, but with a different take on s- similar words
0: and there's no real similarity overlap here. Yeah, that's the thing. You sub- you say you know progressive choruses sometimes when it's just like, hey, a word has been changed a little bit. Right. And that's not yeah, really that content- progressive, in which case this is more closer to that.
2: Sure. The content of one single word being a negative instead of a positive can completely change the meaning of a, f- of a chorus. Or phrasing going from past to present or pe- present to future can do a lot. But that's not what's going on here. What is going on here, which still lets me kind of nodded towards the, the, the column of chorus is that not just the guitar work but the strings that step in yeah, they're not hooking you. It's not a hook but they are doing a lot to ground you in the very... I guess
0: vapid, but vapid in a positive sense, that the verses are doing. Well, maybe there's a Freudian slip, because actually, as as far as hook goes, hook also kind of means captivating, and I felt more captivated by these instrumentals, but I know that from a traditional pop point of view, they are not as memorable. In other words, you're not going to be walking around with that melody in your head. It's it's this elaborate string work, yeah. uh, which, you know, gets... It's actually it, a little harder to retain because there is some complexity in it. Yeah, but that's what I liked about it. So right, of that's course. That's what made sure, it captivating, sure, sure. in which case it should be the hook. I don't know. <laughs> well, wow. If, if anything, it is the, the heart of this piece. Yeah, I would because agree. Because
2: what the vocals are kind of projecting isn't quite... Forceful enough to to hit me. What the again? The lyrics, lyrics are just are, kind
1: of you know.
0: I'm they're kind of there. I'm getting kind of, ki- yeah, yeah, getting well, tired of little... saying they're kind of there. Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's fair. That's, that's something. Let's that's, that's look a little up. deeper into this one because this one doesn't concern unicorns. Uh, but, we have I don't believe. Hey, don't hit on unicorns. I, I, they're they're fine. I don't I don't hate them. but I don't want to believe you was the last line of the first verse. And on right. that note, we get this dramatic instrumental verse two from the instrumental after. Big string section, the sunbeams burn in my child dreams, this machine that brings me joy, now it's just a stupid toy, oh if I could go back and find you, I'd kiss your glowing head, and hear the things you said, and always believe you. Always believe you, believe you, believe you, believe you. Second grand elaborate instrumental. So there actually is a little bit of... if Maybe the chorus in which this case is really just those final two lines. It's that transition. Right. It, which is a really cool track structure, honestly. We don't see this a lot. And then just to be a completionist here, verse 3... Oh, the sunset, in contrast to the sunbeams. The sunset is fucking with my head. Feels like a dying love in the eyes of the young. Tell me love is neither living or dying. It's a power in your mind. I think it's with you all the time. It only hurts when it leaves you. I think that's actually kind of poignant. I think the words are pretty here. I don't think that the
1: lyrics um, are poor in this track. I'll go back on that. I will say, however, they are not presented in a way that I really feel the impact of the words when you read them. When you read them, I got more out of them emotionally than when they were sung in this song. And I think that's
2: where I'm running into an issue on this track. You say that specifically. a lot. I'm starting to think it's a compliment.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. you, you have
2: a very good inflection when you're reading lyrics. You. It's it's very enjoyable because you treat them like poetry, which is what
0: they should be. Yeah, I like reading poetry. And yeah, and yeah, when you this is how he writes lyrics so if you consider the fact that they were in his journal his little diary pad then yeah but these are more poetic maybe than the last track but I still feel like you lose it in the actual track
1: itself
2: and as much as I enjoy reading them and there is an impact there I get more impact out of the string work that's done in this piece that is enjoyable that I really did like everything else around it kind of pales to what those two chorus interlude amalgamation instrumental pieces
0: are to me. I think it's more that I sympathize because if you were writing this down on a bus, I don't think he's writing his lyrics on buses. Maybe maybe a tour bus, bus. maybe tour bus, there you go. So you're writing it there in that setting and then you're looking up, ah, this with strings. Then it, it's really, I, I would love to be on that journey, you know, right. to the, to, from, from its basis components toward making it happen as a song. But then we're on the outside looking in, and, well, I guess maybe it's just the fact that it's track four and we feel that some of this stuff has been used, we are, and, and of course we know his vocal style, and we're a little bit uh, desensitized to that, then yeah, it may explain why a little bit was lost on us. All right, let's move on to track
1: five. Which the title is also in Polish and
0: English in parentheses. It's Nigny nai? Nigdy, nigdy ni? Nigdy knee? Nigdy Nye. No, probably Nigdy Nye, because it's never no, And and, yeah. and no, and nye would be kind of close to nine, just guessing here. Yeah. Uh, never know, always yes. And so this one has <laughs> probably the least lyrics we've gotten so far, besides no lyrics. I, um,
2: would, I would actually say that the lyrics in this are just emotive vocals, because... Never, no, no, never. Forever, ever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, forever, forever, ever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, forever. Na, <sighs> na, 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 na. I hear that? Because of the way, not just the fact that these are very simple words and more emotive than anything, especially because they are just positive affirmation or negatives, it, they're also just just rung out or used as instruments. I would say this is of the same instrumental caliber, even though
0: there is a vocalist. Just the presentation. The presentation they're, they're works. They're just it. utterances. And honestly, in this case, I, I barely heard them. I barely, I barely heard them within the piece. I think they were just kind of smattered in, they were used in transitions where there was always something more substantial happening at that given moment for me to even register that vocals were taking place. This is actually a very fascinating track to me because it is it is diced up in almost a series of phases. You can't talk about this in terms of, tr- of, of, of verse-chorus structure, and I dare say you can't even talk about it in terms of A-B. It's a series of evolving phases, beginning with this electronic pulsing. Almost not even musical to start, it just sounds computerized, one chord oscillating in and out, in and out, in and out. And that actually is one of the only constants throughout this piece. And then you move into this very interesting phase two with Like, Matt likened it uh, off-air to PVC piping, which is probably the only bit of texture I can even equate to this. Of course, uh, we looked at, you know, 3 by Blue Man Group back in 196, and we're probably not going to find an actual instance of PVC piping making an appearance in any other work other than that. But you know what? That's the closest thing I have to what's going on here. And it forms this really neat groove with just uh, right alongside that that pure vocalization uh, to start. And then, phase three, we have a staticky flute synth somewhere halfway in between those two things, right alongside this thump clapping in the background. Constant slashes and hyphens, really, in my notes, because each and every one of these textures almost magically has not been seen before in this record, or at least in my experience even reviewing music. It's, it, he's always trying to find the new thing phase four, a piercing bass sound. No, not like any of the other bass drops that I described earlier in this record. It's it's piercing, boxier than what we heard earlier, almost furious in the way it just cuts its way and forces its way through the mix. And then we have the only reprise on this track, a kind of a throwback to phase two and the weird PVC piping thing, but again, I described that as a neat groove, so that was a really satisfactory return amidst an, a, a, uh, an environment where we're just pushing forward and forward and forward, and then we get another new thing. Phase 5, as I'm calling it. A high-gain, distorted electric bass kind of? Very strange, but it returns with a more prominent oscillation from the beginning even though it kind of never left or was waxing and waning here. It is extremely prominent. And then finally phase phase 6, the only section that is actually divided into its own subsections of an A and a B. A two-part series of a a close, muffled sensation against these more open oscillations like uh, 8-bit sound effects and then it closes in and then it, it It opens up and it closes in. So strange, but I was loving every turn, and it is contradictory in many ways to the way we typically look at music. Again, in a very different way this time. We like there to be more reprises, we like through lines. The only through line here that I can decipher is that oscillation, but... Here, there's, it's just constant evolution, constant evolution. It would normally perturb us, but yet I was thoroughly fascinated. Why here, why not in others? So, I mean, my hypothesis, and I also felt pretty much the same
1: way about this track, it started in the very beginning for me with the warbly synth in the intro that then when the rhythm comes in, this like almost bouncy hip-hop beat that's kind of just thumping along. I called it club beat, like straight-up club beat. Um, that really brought me in because it was something that sound the synth sounded different but the, the beat sounded familiar and so it was an engagement entry point for me that really pulled me in and onto this ride. I think that when we go to the more sonorous parts in the second phase that you were talking about, I think at that point I'm already enraptured in it. And again, the way it grows and changes, I'm like, oh, well, this is interesting. Let's see where this goes. That I think probably, curiosity is a big part
0: of it, I think. That was actually the first time I did get enthralled because to me this was sort of a subtle intro. I didn't expect that I was going to like this in the first, in, uh, with that opening beat. Right. You know, that that wasn't enough for me. It was actually the, the uh, revelation of these evolving phases that slowly pushed me more and more into it.
2: It felt like there was a mode shift between the melody. When you start talking about things like uh, the, the guitar-esque sounds and the backwards clapping, which I did like that it, it felt like the clapping that was part of that initial club beat, The which one of those things I, I totally hate. But when it gets reprised as a reversing sound effect, where it actually feels like an intake of sound as opposed to an expulsion, it was... Another one of those curiosities that did keep me engaged. And that was the that was the key to this. Everything that does get introduced as the main, the guitar esque sounds, the bass-esque sounds, and the fact that the bass itself gets kind of tripped up and done into something else. They're being accompanied by unusual things like a tin oriented. Rhythm section or when you're getting a lot of the Noises showing up that that kind of brassy sound we heard earlier in the album That's that's doing something a little bit different and it's caliber is a little bit different But this is an accompanying idea all these additional ideas are letting the evolution of these modes the evolution of these different phrases while they're retaining a lot of that Doppler pitch-changing effect, while that through-line is there, the coloration that's being thrown on top of it is keeping me curious enough to to want to know what the next section is, to want to know what this next landscape is going to be. And that's, that's the level of engagement that's really hard to actually produce. I love it for that, for that alone. For as many of the issues that I do have, and I think there's a little bit of a volume control problem, in certain parts of this, oh, I love that though. That's it. that was interesting. When the volume goes a little me. bit too
0: high in parts, I was not enjoying it on headphones. Well, you described a lot but, of you know this record at times having somewhat of a monotone effect, so I welcome the the chances that he you know kind of embellishes. That's okay. probably the hand and of, I'll give him I'll give him credit to The that. hand of the producer maybe. But just the fact that I'm curious. Curiosity is something that's hard yeah, to I think that's, that's hard big, to sell. That's yeah. hard to create. Curiosity but that's really hard to sell. Probably hits it home. And just to summarize, a lot of uh, the other parts of what you said is there is a little bit of throwback to some of the earlier texture on the album mm-hmm. but but i maintain what i said at the beginning of this track that almost all of these these individual components n- none of them absolutely none of them are exactly the same as before they're always a little bit different and even just that little bit is enough to say, "Hey, I am working with a completely new palette," and I think that may be one of the things that really distinguishes this because yeah. th- this is the task of almost every electronic composer out there. The, the, their biggest ally is fresh texture, yeah, because they can do that. They have all the sounds at their disposal. So, yeah. like you're literally, going, yeah, literally. <laughs> so, if you're going to distinguish yourself from the pack, that it is your in your best interest to do that. But yet inevitably we still all fall back on familiar things right. and even if we don't fall back on familiar things within all of music we fall back on familiar things that we have done and yeah. at least try to keep our listeners there and i think maybe that's i don't want to say that's a failing some may say that's taste but at least in this instance for one instant this is really i think actively consciously breaking us out of that i actually have not heard this experience since varmints by Anna Meredith. I uh, I'll second that. I would second. uh, Yeah, I would third
2: that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're in contention. We we agree. Which is good because (laughs)
2: considering
1: the next track, track six. Let's get ready to not. (laughs) Yeah, Galaxy I Sync might be the most divisive track we've ever reviewed together because me and John are in line and Steve is harshly against let's not say
2: ever we had the early days that's true that is true but we were mostly just being little shits in the early days also true Sure. also true (laughs) that Um, is true all right galaxy i think so
1: i'll start by just talking about um generally i think i had trouble possibly engaging with this track because of the high that the fifth track left me on and it just didn't follow through for me here i felt like um, while we're still kind of in this vein of very electronic-focused music, I just felt like this was so pared down comparatively to the previous track.
2: There was a, a little bit of a ternary system going on right here, where we have the intro, a decisively big section in the middle, and then an outro. And the intro and outro kind of have an A, A-prime thing going on to them, while the The B, the crux of what this track is doing, does feel decisively different. Like it was meant to be so harshly different from everything else. This is where my biggest issue is coming on this piece. Because the introduction, kind of like a synth harpsichord, that's the only thing I really want to equate it to with a very bassy kind of reverbed bell work going on underneath everything, and an almost militaristic beat on top of everything else. This trio of pieces becomes a little bit pervasive for this A section, what I'm terming the A section, the introduction. So when vocals step in, it's, it's a level of soothing on the deep end, harshness on the high end with the tapping. It marries vocally to that harpsichord noise, to that harpsichord sound. The vocals are a little bit deeper, but at the same time a little bit smothered, which is why I want to put it with that harpsichord. That's exactly how that instrument is feeling. So this combination is not leaving me in a very good space. There's, there's, there's three distinct levels
0: I'm feeling of the sounds, and they're not meshing up 100%. All right, well, for once, uh, you actually did a... You started us off with all the texture. You gave us the texture right up front. That's usually my job. And I think (laughs) you did a very good job. I don't disagree with any of your description in terms of what we get here. Uh, I don't have a different interpretation of it. A lot of it is just fact-based. What John said is basically what you hear. I guess our discrepancy is more going to be our takeaway. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And and, uh, also, I want to credit you toward your... your, your summation of this piece as being as having a ternary structure, an A-B-A. It's not actually something I noticed in the first listen. Listening back, of course, it's blatantly obvious. There's It's bracketed, bookended in many ways, by this very strange, weird, broken, fatigued style of singing that can be really grating. And I, I get that. It's it's grating because, okay, we described Wayne Coyne's vocals as having a generally whiny sound earlier on this record and through the better part of his career. He actually did adopt it at a certain point, like in the early... Early 90s he kind of took that on as being his persona he didn't sing that way back in the 80s uh, but here oh, it's it's exaggerated if that's even the direction you want to say it's going because really it's it's fatigued it is broken to the point of like why are you even there what was this the day to come yeah. into the studio <laughs> but of course this is the artistic choice maybe the lyrics will help us understand I saw the universe in your giant eye I want to touch your mind hole and go inside. Last night, last night. And when you look at me, it's like the sun, and I understand how space and time begun. Last night, last night. Now that's the A section lyrical work. That's the verse, which A was basically the verses, and we will get one more verse or A at the very, very end. I don't
2: feel the grandeur, because you can hear the vocals. This is one of those ones where it's not really getting... no grandeur. No grandeur at all. But when you say a, a, a statement like,
0: I understand... Space and time, space and time. Like I existence. understand how space and time begun, but that's only space because. No, 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 reading that's... context, reading context, verse two. And when you look at me, it's like the sun. I understand how space and time begun. Last night, last night. This is the morning after. And if you're to infer anything from this set of lyrics, it's that there's a kind of post-ecstasy despondency going on here that may not be. Co- it, Capable of of, of, uh, of reconciling with when you look at some of the later lyrics. Your face, I sink. In time, I sink. And I will never reappear. Your love, I sink. Your everything, I sink. The threat that you'll disappear. But why are those lines coupled with, I don't know how else to term
2: it, but a Western introduction? Like a legit old John
0: Wayne Western guitar line. Obviously, your brain is going to go there because you you think you heard it before, and I'm not going to... I didn't think Western when I first heard it because, frankly, when you look at the rest of this album... It by itself, or rather standing in next to his vocal style, I didn't really see the Western thing. And also it was immediately replaced by a lot of other things. You have the guitar in the beginning of the B section, right? Mm -hmm. You hear that guitar, definitely has a little bit of spacing like you're out there and like, you know, all right, sure. There's a tumbleweed going by, It's 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 an abandoned town. But it's just to provide space. So if anything, I just take away from that, that there is time to think. That there is a little bit of vastness, that there's not a lot of help for the sake of the problem here. And then gradually things start getting a little bit more uh, dire. The strings start stepping in. And when the strings really build, this started to remind me of Ennio Morricone, who of course, yeah, there's a connection there, because of course he did a lot of Westerns, spaghetti Westerns. And then you're just in that environment, but still the grandeur of that... To me, this is all happening at the time he's saying, you're everything, I think the threat that you'll disappear. It's, it's an inward sensation. I got that a lot more than some random, you know, pop culture reference. Uh, and then the strings start getting warped. Again, right after this, the threat that you'll disappear, the strings get warped. Weird harmonies, weird uh, non-chord tones stepping in there as it all just comes crumbling down back to A, our A section, our verse. This well, time, even fainter and weaker. Lead, I'll read that verse in a minute.
2: And and this new A prime is it follows that distortion of what the strings were doing and remains a little bit off center. Not off key, it's still within that same sort of original rendition but it, it it definitely feels like it's a little bit melted along the edges if that's if that's a good way of putting it and then there's almost like a, a sound bit of a of a distant steam whistle going on in there working within the rhythm section which adds a, a whole nother like additional
0: thickness to it not necessarily a layer but a thickness to what's going on right here i think that what that's what in my notes i call the Faint, distant, brassy stuff. Yeah, but <laughs> which would be a, a again, will, might, that might work it's that tough when work. you're talking about electronica it's, it's sensations. And then, of course, yeah, the cricket swamp at the end. And, well, what, what does he leave you on? Verse 3, And with the floating specks in my tired eyes, I can see all the dimensions of my life at night, at night. How can the stars really know me now when I fear their light will burn me up? Hmm. But,
1: again, for me, I mean... Those lyrics are not conveyed to me with any kind of
0: strength or emotion in this track. This... Strings conveyed it perfectly. I know sure. that these I know that this particular set of lyrics follow it, but to me, I, go back to that, that strange expression I used, post-ecstasy despondency. I think it's a little bit of equating, obviously you say last night, last night. I think a lot of people tend to think that it was, you know, a night of, of wonderful lovemaking, but I, I don't know if that's necessarily it. I still do believe, though, you know, the threat that you'll disappear refers to perhaps someone that you love or perhaps anyone anyone in your life and all of us at the same time it may be a lot grander than in even simply just the relationship track. It's really, I think, talking about all of us, that we could all just disappear at light. You know, you're looking at the stars, you have these beautiful moments, then all of a sudden you fear that the light is going to burn you up, that we're going to disappear at some point, enter all of the possible ways that the world can end. And to me, there is a lot of grandeur wrapped up in that, which I do feel, especially in the cold vastness that comprises the, mat- the majority of the track, And then the brief moment of ecstasy that is the end of part B. I wasn't sold on it in the beginning either. But when you're at the tail end of this track and you're on the outside looking in again, I think it was actually really well structured. And it took a lot of patience and you have to have it for the sake of this track.
1: I won't fight you on what you're seeing in it. I can see how you get to that place. I just didn't
2: feel any of I'm ex- that. Yeah, I'm exactly there. For as me, well. this track. In fact, I think that was an eloquent way. I got a head. Yeah, it no. Really I absolutely see
1: where you're coming from as far as how you're talking about it. But it's for a- me, I didn't get any of that.
0: For me, I got it. I got it musically. I looked at the lyrics, and then I got it lyrically. And it was. It it's all made sense to me in the end. I think it's a weight. It's a weighted track. But I think if you approach it from the standpoint of it simply being tough to get through for the vast majority of it, then yeah, you're. you're you're not going to enjoy it. Also I have a I have a personal liking for the that style of string work. Usually however brief it is, it it's it's enrapturing. And I hear that. But again, for me I didn't get any of that. For me,
1: the the start of the track instrumentally seemed pretty repetitive and pretty you know, I don't want to say boring. Boring is too benign of a word.
0: Oh, this has the energy of the Iggy Pop record we looked at back in episode 188, pop, post-pop depression, but with three more times the art. Sure, but again, I was just in as, as
1: engaged as Iggy Pop. It just didn't do it for me. I had to wait so long to get through this. The vocals... I hated the way he was delivering the vocals in this, it made it hard for me to get invested in the actual message behind it. And so, with that combined with the music repeating on itself, then the guitar repeating on itself with the vocals coming in, yes the Burst of Strings was pretty, but it was very isolated for me. I didn't see it building to that, and then the way it ends with the A-prime, I just didn't get invested in this track emotionally like you did. I see your emotional connection, and it makes sense based on the structure and
2: how we analyzed this track. I just didn't get any of it. My illusion of the week, I I saw this as a Quentin Tarantino scene change piece, specifically because of two reasons. One, and this is is off the wall, one, because of the Western vibe I got in that center section, but two, because of the way he actually does a lot of his scene work. When he goes from... Okay, we're looking at A. A is engaging in one specific way. Sharp cut, rebuild from the ground up. A lot of his scenes will start with desolation to reintroducing either a main character, maybe even the previous main character from that that previous scene, or just a new episode of the storytelling experience. But there's a lot of foundation to build up and then cut back to that original scene work. This sort of interruption piece is why I understand a lot of people don't like Tarantino. Me, personally, I like a lot of his stuff. Not all of it, but a lot of his stuff because of that exact reasoning. He has a very unique storytelling style, but some of it does rub me the wrong way. And with that sort of
0: vein, this is going to be some of that stuff that does rub me the wrong way. I'm thoroughly down with that comparison to Tarantino, which is why this is so weird. Because I myself am not always a fan of Tarantino's You're work, the same but when as me. but when I am a fan of it, then I am a fan of it. And also, I will just dis- only disagree that the the cut from a, part A to part B was. N- was as stark because after all it did maintain the same rhythm it's just that everything else is supplanted by the guitar and that becomes a lot thinner and more prominent. And the piece does actually do a lot
2: of repairing that rift I see from A to B when B goes back into A, especially with the bleed over the string. And I'll be honest, and the distortion effect.
0: if you're gonna talk about the moment-by-moment moment reveal, that was a low moment for me. It almost felt like he was trying to do the same thing that was kind of done just back in in track five, never know, but instead you don't quite, it, it's, it was thinner. It was, it was much thinner. I had a, a roller coaster type experience with this track, but I think that on the outside looking in the art of it is really successful. It's almost like the one early scene of *Inglorious Bastards when the
2: Nazi goes to the house but that scene starts so boring so desolate after a a bit of exposition that was really enjoyable and then eventually you get build up build up especially with that glass of milk and how important that stupid glass of milk became it felt great and then we got another cut to another scene like parts of movies like that and Tarantino is one uh, artist who does it but other people do I, I love little snippets and I love great exposition, but that's taking something like this, something like that scene work. that exposition is a little
0: bit too stark in some cases. Here, it, it just breached that line for in, me. Individual moments can be very, very stark, especially considering the way in which he's singing. But, you know, there are a few ways I believe you can look at this album. And I think as we start to move a little bit further into this, we're going to have to start talking about those categories separately because those are the... The criteria by which certain types of people may enjoy this or the way certain people can conform their brains. I think this is going to make an appearance both on track seven and also in tracks eight and nine. Let's start with track seven because, well, one night while hunting for fairies and witches and wizards to kill. Uh, <laughs> Definitely award winner for the longest title we have yet to review, I think. Uh, oh, I don't, you don't always, always say that. Always you always say that. Clearly. But the, this, is too, this is a run-on
2: sentence. This is pretty long.
0: I'm sure we've had longer. Technically,
2: it's not a run-on sentence, the way he's phrasing it. You can use three pieces with two ands in there and not actually put in a comma. It's grammatically frowned upon, but not actually incorrect,
0: as far as I know.
1: Well, Okay, fine. All
0: right, all right, all right. (laughs) Well, I... First of all, one of the things that I really liked about the last track, even if apart from the part that I really liked about it, which is, of course, the string section, is the way in which the rest of it made me feel very... Uh, contemplative and also a little bit vapid, but in mm-hmm. the way in which it kind of inspires you to, to think about other things in the world, as he wants you to think about in the lyrics. And here in the beginning of this track, you have a transition. The transition from the very end into the beginning It's actually one of my favorite transitions on the album, because of course you have the crickets, you have the swamp at the tail end. It begins in the beginning of this, but with a slight difference, actually a big-ass difference, and this is the booming, pulsing bass matched with a giant drum right alongside the bass. they They're doubling each other. But this time, interestingly, bass and drum are the more dominant feature here. Mm -hmm. You don't have much of a melody until the lyrics come in. So they didn't really strike me so much as figuration here. The bass and drum are almost like the melody to me. Mm -hmm. Because when the vocals come in, even then, the volume level is bleh. It's hardly of consequence. I don't care about his lyrics as much in this track. I liked the shifting nature of this bass drum Uh, half figuration, half melody. It was really captivating in terms of how long of a figuration it was to fool me into thinking it was kind of a melody in its own right. And again, another great piece of texture, and it kept me in the same emotional place, I'd say, as the last track did. I think Whatever place you're in, whether it's a place you want to be in or not, I think is an important mindset uh, worth considering when we finally get to the end of this record. Yeah.
1: And, I mean, whether we were in the same place or not on the previous track, I will agree that this does feel fairly connected to the previous track. I mean, with the bleed-over of the ambiance of the swamp scene, it's easy to have that connection anyway. But I really do like... The darkness the synth conveys in here, but not darkness as in like emotional. Physical, like at a campfire, at night, relaxing kind of darkness, like it's a night dark.
2: It's deep. It's it's Well, again, shady. I'm using darkness
1: as a actual light-related
2: thing, not as in an internal emotion. Yeah, but it, under the blankets kind of a situation. Right, right. Where you're safe, where you maybe you're reading a nice little weird book. Fantasy novel or something like that, which this kind of comes off as, especially when you're talking about witches, wizards, and fairies. Uh, I was actually getting lyrically, I was getting a vibe of something like "Ramble on," and, Ramble. and well, not the choruses, but when you when you get li- lines like "I ain't telling no line, mine's a tale that can't be told, my freedom I hold dear, how years ago in days of old," and how they start going off on that sort of <laughs> tangent. Yeah, here we're getting that same sort of thing going on with a wave of his hand he created a force field my bullets all ricocheting bouncing in his old cave lines like this they're just fun they just feel like he's trying to paint a picture of fantasy and the music feels like he's trying to do the exact same thing especially when like he cre- when he says the word force field and you get that String roll with that, that's followed up by those kind of hooting woodwind section. Pieces like this makes me feel like I'm enjoying a fantasia esque piece. I'm enjoying the maybe the electronica version if Disney ever were to do something
0: like that. It's just it's just like childhood imagination running rampant. No, I generally agree. I don't have anything against these lyrics. Uh, certainly, when he starts talking about uh, wizards, wizards and witches, then. I don't know, maybe it, maybe I my brain wanders a little bit. Know, I'm cool with witches and wizards, but there's... Not fairies, enough. not fairies. They're fine, they're fine, they're all fine. They're all fine things, but <laughs> in, in, I don't know, in music, I like when bands, I guess, are a little closer to the worldly, it, may, it maybe brings you closer to the work just a little bit, which is, I think, why I was such a, a fan of the last track. Well, in this case, I'll say that the music is doing a good job of
2: emulating the lyrics without being directly beholden to said lyrics and that's what's great about it this is um a magical mystery tour of experimentation kind of like what we got in track five it's it's just constantly pushing the boundaries uh it's doing a little bit more build work instead of just replacement work but a replacement work is showing up right there and we're experimenting with textures and we're experimenting with tones and i'm enjoying that aspect of it uh immensely it's it's Another one of those times where maybe my curiosity is not as peak, but I am eagerly in awaiting the
0: next idea to come along here. Well, I do like, I mean, as far as the... Feeling goes for the intro of this track. I already explained what I liked about, you know, the bass and the drum and everything I think there's there's an overall relaxing feel though some mystery that's pent up in the beginning that maybe does get released a little bit later on But not all quite yet because 2 minutes and 40 seconds There were some moments that I really liked the giant like harp like glissando this swoop with Jingles and jangles on its way up that kind of takes you to what almost is a stand-in for the chorus here at least it occurs twice in this song But uh, they felt like prominent moments, just like these shining features where I don't know if it's really a harp, it's probably not, it's probably something else, but it was a really, really nice moment. See, he knows when to kind of shock you a little bit and drag you from the comfortable position that you only just settle in. And then, you know, the swamp sounds get returned as as these electronified and, and... uh, weird sound bites throughout. You know, like the guitar sort of transforms itself into becoming this like prehistoric. Uh, distant sound effect like a, a creature that's been dead for millions of years, you know, the guitar is sort of standing for that creature. It's a weird uh, way of blending the the physical with the electronic once again. But you can get comfortable in that environment once again. And then I did get comfortable in that environment until the final harp-like Glissando uh, which I got comfortable in even following that. Like the mystery of the intro had sort of been lost. It really brought me back, I think, in the outro because that was something completely different
1: yeah and i think the outro is probably one of my favorite moments on the track actually because it kind of wraps up everything but in a very interesting way we get some whistling which is again mixing the physical with the digital because we still have some of those sounds and even woodwinds come in towards the end here and i like that sound and while we don't even know if the whistling or the woodwinds aren't sampled either because they could just as easily be they do kind of continue that dichotomy that Steve was talking about
0: previously because of the way they're integrated with the rest of the in- instrumentation. In many ways it's like a condensed version of it because instead yeah. now hearing it you know, spaced out by like a minute or two minutes apart, now it's like every few seconds. It's mm-hmm. interesting to hear the sequence of events. You know, you have the final held string from the main portion of the piece. The strings hold and then you have whistling in the background followed then by a heartbeat. The strings decay. Then they return and then it's like church bells, and then the clarinet. Yeah. And it's just one after the other after the other here. it was It's almost a little arbitrary, but maybe, I don't know, just their manner of doing it, powerful, it just has though, this yeah. yeah, powerful effect, a very strange coda, but thoroughly relaxing. And these things uh, get married to what the lyrics are actually saying, and that's
2: what I think actually sells the piece for me, because while the lyrics may not be important, they seem to have been... Improvisational ideas for what the music was going to do like they inspired what the music with the line I read earlier with a wave of his hand He created a force field right there. That's one of the glissandos. Yeah, and it's sort of a musical sound effect to both tie the lyrics and what they're doing and what the story is doing while still maintaining the integrity of what's going on the actual outro the whistling is prefaced with, I saw death's face, but somehow his bad grip let me go. I woke in a strange room with new eyes, and that's when I saw her. Whistling.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
2: everything kind of nonchalantly fades into this outro with whistling. That, getting rid of all the techno, getting a little rid of the electronica, getting rid of the, the mechanical electric elements that represented the fantastical puts her who her is the final word her into the real of the acoustic sounds of the strings of the clarinet of the very personal whistling in a very very colorful way and it's 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 while the words still don't really feel like they're actually important they are actually Important for the story of the music, which is a weird
0: turnaround for me. They're certainly important enough when you tie this together with the lyrics of the last track. And I think, actually, as a pair of these tracks, work together really, really well. So let's go to track eight, Do Glowy, which is another Polish, uh, Do Glowy or Do Glowy Polish phrase. Correct? Correct. It means uh, to
1: the head, right? I believe John said yeah, I, something I, along the those lines. That's the closest we can come up with to yeah. the head. To the Definitely, head. head is the focus of that phrase.
0: Well, I got a little bit of a problem in this track because unfortunately this Only broke. One? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got one big problem, and I think Fair that's enough. the one that's going to uh, glare here and glow, and that is the vocalizer. Yeah. I I it have a hard time defending this one because look, I I. I realize a lot of this will just depend on your threshold and taste for specific sound bites, and miraculously, many of the previous ones, even though they weren't always expertly composed, they really, really worked for me. I do not understand the purpose of this particular uh, choice, this this choice in texture. It just robs me of of everything here. And this what brings me back to the point that I said at the tail end of the last track, or actually two tracks ago now, that you're going to have to start looking at this album on several different levels. One of them being the emotional takeaway, of which, you know, <laughs> if you're going to talk by compositional standards and the moment-by-moment stuff, I'm in agreement that, uh, with Matt and John that Galaxy I Sync is not something that's going to uh, wow you on a moment-by-moment basis. It's just simply not. But the emotional takeaway, I think, was really there for me, for me at least. But then by the time we get to track 7, it's subdued a bit, but I still think it's in the same place, the same, the pairing works and compositionally it does its own amazing things. Track 8, I don't understand it because it there's no emotion there. There's no emotion in these in this strange vocalizer. Glowy, glowy, glow, let's get together, yeah. Glow, 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 glary and glary, yeah. Doing it right, doing it like you care, under the tree where the spider got in your hair. I don't understand the point of the lyrics, so I'm I'm and compositionally I don't have a lot to to notice here, to pick apart. Well yeah, and
1: even speaking more to the lyrics, I almost get this kind of sense, and it's a little harsh, but this sense of almost ignorance. I mean, the track is called Do Glowy. It's clearly stated that it's to relate to the Polish, but the English lyrics harp on what these words sort of represent in English, the word do, and glowy as English words, and that just makes zero sense. Like it's not even a play on something like it's happened in previous tracks. Here he's literally taking, and not even the word do as it's presented like to do something, but do as in morning
0: morning do. Morning do water I, it on It just on the baffles
1: me and almost frustrates I me. I think that's, that this mm.
0: track is, it's a, first of all it, what you just referenced is just a double entendre. That's not an inconsistency. I think is a double entendre here and if that's the case is this about getting hit? Uh, no, no. No, I don't
2: think so. I will not, uh, A, the mechanical nature of the autotune definitely. Let's not look at music, just look at lyrics here. No, the vocals. The autotune level vocals, the vocalizer vocals. Does a lot to remove you as an individual and make it more of a robotic experience, which is like the antithesis of
0: sex. Sex is supposed to be sexual. You're looking at it clinically, though, right now from the musical angle. I'm just looking at lyrics. Uh, n- no. Doing it right, doing it like you care, under the tree where the spider got in your hair. I thought we should spend the night together. I thought we should spend the night together. Do we, do we, do? Let's get together. Drip, drip, drippy, glow, glowy and drippy. Yeah, doing it right. Doing, now we have another little play on words because doing is actually spelt like tree do. Uh, doing it like you care, running all night through the flowers that eat us there. Okay, there's maybe. a lot of you know what, you know what, you know what? There's things here. Yeah, sure. there okay. are things here. sure. There are things here. It's a little sparse, but uh they're, we can give it they're numerous. Infat- they're we can, numerous. We can give it and an if e- it means head doing head... we can da. give but an emphatic sure because there's no guarantee really here. Remember, he's a playful songwriter. I don't think uh, fi- like we okay. look, you have there has been so much worse and also so much uh that is not as clever, really written, especially on the subject.
2: But how mechanical the voice sounds how just regulated that tap machine beat sounds yeah and honestly when that kind of bra guitar siren steps in and and just kind of just rings out it's it's a very non pervasive siren true but it's still just kind of ringing out and and trying to get emphasis i don't know on what particular thing it wants to emphasize because it doesn't seem like anything needs emphasis like it there's not a whole lot of elements going on right here that feel playful they just feel regulated they feel a I'm little a, bit too I mechanical agree with that so it's if if and i i'm not really me- I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna agree could I'm be gonna a agree mechanical experience and you want your to- lyrics are definitely there <laughs> But the lyrics feel like they're being lied to by the way the vocals are presented see, and, the, and the music is being presented. See, but well, I wouldn't
1: even l- say lied to. I'd say they just feel more clinical. It's less about That's the enjoyment say, yeah. or pleasure. It's just more about the, how clinical it is. But even more so than that. Maybe it's a clinical tra-
0: experience. Why would he have
1: to emphasize do it like he, doing it like you care? But, but also know. the track feels very aimless even. Like... I don't even feel like it feels mechanical. It just feels like it doesn't know what it wants to do
0: it with itself. It just, it's just, is kind of just there, wandering through. It's certainly a lot of random stuff going on, and yeah. it's just a lot of, yeah, a mechanical backdrop. The beat machine that feels like it's definitely dated at this point, and you'll have no argument from me there that I don't I don't understand the purpose of this beat machine. It is not a new piece of texture for neither album nor artist nor culture. Yeah. I, I don't really understand that per- a point? I, uh, I just, I don't really know. Okay. I have only one thing to make sense of this track, and I'm not sure if it's correct or not. But if that's the case, it is perhaps the just throwaway joke track. And it has one joke. I, and there's enough playful lyrics that it, it kind of works. But, but this isn't the
1: art that forgives the...
0: Yeah, the, I'm not, I'm yeah. not going to be forgiving
2: not at this all. one. This not at one all. really is a it falls it, short it's not even it doesn't even fall short i will call it out and say this is really a boring track for me all said and done it it just there's nothing in here all the curiosity that i was lauding earlier all the things that i was anticipating and enjoying even the parts of galaxy i sink that i i i guess i don't quite get that piece but i can see your point of view on that piece and i could say there's redeeming qualities in that piece I, i'm even not presenting the, the a point hating. of view here i'm presenting here, a theory no no i'm saying like in that in that piece there are redeeming qualities like the guitar work and the string work is really good here i don't see anything really redeeming that's going to draw me
0: in period like no, it's, that's just, true. it's just true um, although i also didn't listen to the track with the context that with the theory that i now have i i don't i doubt it would i doubt it would change it But, you know, eh, it's worth some considering, it's worth some looking up. Let's go to track nine, Listening to the Frogs with Demon Eyes. Uh, okay, in this more interesting track really titles. cool title. This, I really like the title on this one, especially
2: because we're going to start with the swamp again, so you might as well bring the it frogs in. more or less the same
0: soundbite we got at the beginning Very of track similar. seven. Very similar. We're thrown back there. It's swamp bass. Swamp bass. <laughs> that should actually be the next Budweiser commercial. And then we have the high pitch piercing thing in the A section, which actually I thought was pretty cool. That was like the synth tone. Symptoms, ring, yeah. yeah, and uh, eh, on top of that, it's a, it's, a, it's this is sort of a mix-and-match kind of track, because it's got the bass that we had just two tracks ago in One Night While Hunting for Fairies and Witches and Wizards to Kill, uh, but it also has the string stuff, like the Henry Mancini vibe from uh, Galaxy I Sync, just before that, so it comes in a little bit later, more it, toward four minutes and thirty seconds, but... It also
1: feels much brighter than even the previous tracks leaning more towards some of the stuff we heard earlier on the
2: record. But the things that we actually really enjoyed in previous pieces, like that bass, I feel like the voice is really competing just to be heard outside that bass. The tin beat with the really crystal touches that was great very early on in the record. Feels more like it's at odds with what the bass is actually
0: doing. Well, the bass comes and goes because I noticed that one minute and 37 seconds, or maybe that was the bass was still there, but then the swamp kind of cut out next to it. So I don't know. I thought I'd contribute that. (laughs) But those feel like they were expected. And kind of
2: obvious expansions yeah. of what the original idea was When the first 30 seconds of the track was laid out towards us yeah. I don't feel wowed by anything Everything that, that that we flow through When we hit that chorus The chorus kind of impacts with the the downy softness of a pillow It doesn't do much to propel itself forward the, the bridge that shows up right after that With, I can't see the moon, though I know it's there I can't see the end, but I know it's there I can't see the sun, but I feel it's there. I can't see your love, but I know it's there. It's got a guitar warmth to it that flows through, but it's reverb heavy and the the vocals still really aren't projecting. They're being superseded with the guitar instead of the bass in this case. Uh, It feels like a lot of the previous problems that made everything feel homogenous for me are showing up again
0: well there's something interesting here because these lyrics you know you read them and i know that they're not you know brilliant lyrics but they are head scratchers and especially now that i have some like ideas in my head about this album they make me wonder you know i actually like verse one quite a bit glistening in the moonlight, listening to frogs hiding ourselves in the trees watching with demon eyes here we go again here we go and the chorus have you ever seen someone die in the summertime in the summertime is that what your demon eyes see have you ever gone on through the hole in this in the night sky it's and then i know it's forbidden we can squash the stars new holes in the darkness darkness in the dark <laughs> yeah here we go again here Darkity, we go dark dark, Darkity, dark 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 stars stuff and and things i just i want to know more about it i understand that it's not it's not leaping out though
1: yeah and i think that's my biggest problem here is It's not leaping out, and the stuff that does come, like John said, I kind of see coming. And we've had this happen in moments before, but this is the first time really on an entire track level, and it's a track on the longer side, that I felt like I could see every turn coming. And, you know, that's not inherently bad per se, but I definitely wasn't as engaged with this track as other tracks.
2: The first time I listened, right after that bridge, we get a glissando. I called the glissando. I knew there was going to be a glissando because they had already done such a thing and showed it off. And and it was pretty, but it was pretty in the same sort of way that it was pretty because it was exactly the sort of beauty
0: that we got earlier. Yeah. Except earlier it was beauty. Here – It's getting downgraded as far as descriptors go. Then I'll only contribute that if you view this on the particular mindset of, again, the emotional takeaway of this album. And Mm. again, it depends on the context in which you're listening. Such as you're there, you're in a group, you're listening maybe on speakers or even on headphones. if If the conditioning is right, right, then I think this can actually work wonders emotionally, this track. And maybe even the progression, uh, with the exception of Do Glowy, which really, really kind of interrupts everything. But I, I defend this track for that reason only.
1: But conditioning is a big ask, especially if we're trying to recommend an album based on our criteria. That's all. Something to consider as we wrap up on the track.
0: One might argue, though I don't subscribe to this, that listening on headphones with a focused listen and negating all of your... Uh, putting all of your responsibilities aside at the same time is also a big ask. I would agree, but... A bigger one, actually. I, I mean, See, bigger, I would argue, only because people have more
1: access to private moments to listen to music than they do a large group of friends who listen to albums together with not doing
0: anything else. No, not necessarily. No, this, no, no, I was yeah. not... I'm not saying, like, the what we do as our yeah. pre album listen, where it's like a mission, let's get together. No, I'm saying, like, hey, we're in the car, we're friends, let's put something on, and Got generally it. no one's going to... to... But right. in that case, it's setting, it's setting a mood. Then I would
1: would Argue that they're both just
0: as common and I rescind my statement
2: anyway. Well, oh, all right, let's, wow, let's <laughs> you, we Matt just proved he can't be a politician right then and there. I don't to
0: re- want to be a politician, yeah, but you can't
2: rescind statements. It would, it, oh.
0: no. I'm just saying, I've, and I I'm think what John Moore would say is you would suddenly now make a better politician, yeah. <laughs> well,
1: that's also not as hard now as it might have been previously, <laughs> anyway. Anyway,
2: moving <laughs> yeah. on to track 10, the castle, okay. Hokey does not even begin to start f- describing these lyrics because they are, like, I... Uh, yeah, but Hokey is so cynical. That's I'm going to be
0: cynical about this. Well, well I'm not her, quite ready. Let's no, no. get it out of the way first because, I wanna, of course... I want to get out of the way fine. because I'm going to be a little sarcastic about it. Oh, uh, no, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Okay, I'll try lyrics. not to. I'll try not to. Infer your own sarcasm, but read it straight. Her eyes were
2: butterflies, her smile was a rainbow, her hair was sunbeam waves, shining round like a halo. Her face was a fairy tale that had a poison apple, her skull was a mighty moat, her brain was the castle. Mm. She's like, beautiful. Okay. <laughs> yes, said, all those words said she's beautiful, yes. Remember that song that went, you're hey, beautiful, <laughs> you're beautiful, you're beautiful, it's true? That had more impact, and that was just three lines repeated over and over again. I
1: disagree. That song is just as sugar-sweet as this song is. It's the same impact. Rather, t- rather hold the- on, rather
0: there's a clause, though. She's beautiful, but, you know, can't, can't reach her. That's well, that's the what you infer from the end of that. Her face, all the early stuff is. You could just go on and on like that. Her eyes were beautiful. Her eyes were butterflies. Her smile was a rainbow. Blah blah blah. Sunbeam waves, pretty things, colors and and uh, candy. But then her face was a fairy tale that has a poison apple. Her skull her skull was a mighty moat. Her brain was the castle. I, there get, is, I like, get it. Yeah. It's not just. It's not just vapid beauty. Sure, I, I get that.
2: But the problem is I'm feeling like the music surrounding this verse work, for as as deep as you want to make it, or maybe it's not deep because I'm seeing it on the lesser deep side, I didn't detect anything in this verse that I don't feel like has shown up at least once, probably two to three times on this album already. And that turnoff made me very, very cynical on what the lyrics were doing, on what the vocals were doing.
0: It's a simple profile of... Beauty on one hand, which I think he knows he's using a ton of cliches to pursue that, Um, but so what? I think he's... I don't know. It's not like I'm going to sit here and, and oppose you on my defending this track, but I think we've come across so much worse that his his style of, of lyrics i'm starting to understand a little bit especially on an album scale you take one you take one stanza out of context and it's weird you take one track out of context and it's weird you look at the overall album and you're going to get a a mix matched blend of the surreal and the pointed statement about Perhaps a fictional character, perhaps not. But he starts it off with cliches that sound like the surrealist stuff, and then he concludes with things that actually return to the bigger points that occasionally you will find other tracks explore in more detail. It's just, this is a blend. Yeah, and I think
1: that for me, I'm more on the Steve side of it. And yes, again, me and Steve would probably be at a loss to fervently defend this track. That said... It's just light and innocent. It's so face value. And I get that that's a downside for you, John, but I just, it's like scowling at a child who's adorable. Like, I just don't have it in me. I can do i can do that, though. And that's fine?
2: Here's, here's the th- no, not here's the thing, I'm not done. Here's, but here's the reasoning. Okay. The reasoning I can scowl at this child is that previously this child was making things... That weren't face value, and I think that's my my real problem with face value on an album like this. Nice. And see, I not think for it's me just because...
0: because it looks it looks bubblegum when you read lines like while she was riding on her dragon, the mushrooms and the bumblebees told the flowers how it happened. It, like when you look at a line like that, it looks very. Like, what are you on right now? But the tragedy yeah, that but...
2: immediately follows this up is deep. She was lost in the invisible war, fighting in the battle. Her love is still buried there in the ruins of the castle. Of the castle. That, there's, that there's is tragedy. her brain. She's <laughs> from is, the
0: beginning. <laughs> that's tragedy. And it's it's it it is tragic. It isn't the idea of death. It's she succumbed to herself, is what I take away from this entire track. But this tragedy is not Portrayed tragically, I guess. Yeah, you have a that's the whole thing. Keyboard when and you... synth flourishes and choruses and that's nice. And I yeah, I really couldn't like describe this particular track in a terribly um, unique way next to some of the other tracks on this album that we described. But I will say that it had a slightly more pleasant, relaxed air to it, which I think did focus me a little bit more in on the lyrics. But something like this, for me... Like, we're not talking
2: Disney levels of emotional texture going on right here. And that's the sort of thing that if you're going to portray innocent tragedy, you really need to go full force on it. I mean, one of my favorite lines from any Disney movie was Lilo and Stitch. Stitch is about to be taken away by the government. He's breaking up. Everything's, like, sad. It's like the personification of sad for that movie. And he just goes... Ohana means family. Family means nobody gets left behind. And that line makes me freaking cry every single time. And it's the simplicity of it. It's a very simple idea. This is another one of those very simple
0: setups that is just not even getting close to that kind of a chord for me. It's because of the music, and I, I that's not a new position for us. Yeah. But I would argue
1: there's still some artistic intent here. I Yes, think, I'll give you that. I think that this is... This is childlike and whimsical and innocent because it's masking a greater depression and sadness that the singer, the character, if you will, if it's not actually Wayne, doesn't want to engage in. And I think that's what makes it artistically stand up, even if musically there are some... Meh. Moments? I think it's designed in a way to purposely mask those things that would be a greater of a greater status.
0: It's also removed a little bit, like I said, yeah. the bubblegum metaphorical manner of speaking. Yeah. Um, uh, there's this despondence
1: from it that I think is intentional. I think there's this putting this distance between the tragedy and the person by making him as childlike as possible. Dharmak and Jalad at Tanagra. Thanks, Picard.
0: Okay, so you know. Yeah, of course. All right, you got it. Okay, the that went over
1: my head. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Um, we're not. Even, I'm not even going to explain no, it. No, I we're will just not. move on. All Search, right. listeners, the <laughs> Well, he said Picard. Yeah, you yeah, know what it is. Yeah, All right. So anyway, track uh, 11. Yep. Almost home. This is Blisco Domu. In many ways, almost like a parent title track because if the interview is to be believed, then that's the book. But that's yeah. the book where he got all of these names from. It's the book that inspired this entire album in many ways. And Almost Home is basically what domu is. Or at least this time you have a verbatim... Well, we've had a several verbatim translations. Yeah. And so. th- th- I mean, it's Almost Home, Coming Home,
2: things like almost that. Almost Home, Close to Home, it's another but, one. Yeah, near yeah, To Home. Here we get... Uh, um, <sighs> intro is a really different beast than what follows the intro because the intro I love and hate at the same exact time because I love the way the guitar complements the vocals. As weak as the vocals are, I love that weakness. I love the guitar working with it. I love the string stepping in and adding an additional texture that the guitar isn't quite fulfilling by the end of this introduction. It's sweet, it's melodic, it's enjoyable, it's touching. But the beat, this really safe synth beat, gets complicated and more complicated and doesn't really do a lot to progress itself other than just keeping rhythm on top of everything else. And it's not going anywhere where I want it to be. There are parts where it actually steps out. And there's when the no, beats step out. No need for
0: this beatbox. Yeah.
2: yeah. When the
0: beat steps out, it stands up on its own. That's the big part that makes me want to hate this section. Yeah, you, then you see through the clutter and it all kinda makes sense. The instrument the instrumental half of this giant intro, uh if you could call it that, it, it has oh, a yeah, really it nice much it, is. it even has a kind of a nice hiccup in it, you know, once the beat finally does change and is a little bit more relaxed, uh then there's a really nice little pickup there. That it, it, it alternates just a bit, but the the pervasive plastering, you know, over the beginning of this track, I, I I don't really get it, and it's it's I guess in retrospect becoming a bit of a problem for the record. I beatbox is the least interesting component of this palette. I think it's designed to
1: kind of add a framework of an uplifting nature to this track in the intro part, but. I don't know. I don't even know that it really conveys that that much. I think we do get some sense of uplift when the track swells as we get closer to that twenty, that two minute and twenty second mark, and then beyond. But yeah, I don't. It does seem to be kind of there and not really changing or adding to the structure
2: of the track. And that said, this introduction, that's really, once we go into the actual verse, verse work, yeah. and we get a metal and bass drum combination, almost like a, a steel drum with a yeah. big, big bass kick, when this steps in, like, I, I don't think I really have problems with this track no. anymore. It's just enjoyment at this part, because something that pretty quickly reminds me of, which is probably one of the highest compliments I could give to this setup, the gorillas. I feel like I'm I'm transported to early first album guerrilla work almost like a little bit of the Clint Eastwood chorus mixed not in even with a cl- little bit of not the not even 19, I would say even
0: stuff off of Demon Days. I well, think that this—Gorillas, actually, I can hear Damon Auburn's voice over much of this backdrop. Yeah. Not necessarily the beginning of the record, but at least this track and a couple of others as well. Mm-hmm. When it's thinned down enough, the only difference is just the fact that the the, the vocals here in this album are tend to be delivered— uh, usually through that 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 mist that filter of reverb that is always just kind of drowning everything it kind of pushes uh, Wayne Coyne a little bit far away from everything else that's going on. But
1: Where, whereas Damon Alburn was always at the forefront, always at
0: the forefront. He always spoke crisply. He always enunciated. Uh, yeah. Enunciation is not really at the top of uh, of uh, Wayne Coyne's strong suits. I I just is, I maybe that that links to the fact that, of course, we would find this track interesting in other contexts. And and that's the only thing, that's the only difference, is just that we needed some more spotlighted feature. And there's, there's really a lot of background material going on, especially at this latter portion of the album. Yeah, I
1: think, I, I agree. I think I'm getting kind of uh, exhausted by the fact of how hard I have to work to hear the lyrics. And again, when it's designed as distinct instrumentation that's not supposed to exist beyond much of that, fine but otherwise i think i'm just struggling to hear it and i want to hear more
0: of it let's go to the lyrics then because uh once again he's giving us an interesting head scratcher the thought soon becomes the word the word then becomes the deed if the deed is evil blame the thought that is the seed Change the spark that makes the need. Did your mind invent your mind? (laughs) Verse 2. The insect crawls out on the leaf. The leaf falls into the fire, burning up my fragile dream of how the world is full of love. It's not what I thought it was, hurting us until we're dust. Us, us, us. The action needs its energy. It takes from it your hate and greed, makes you scared there's gonna be a stranger grabbing you by the throat, or is it someone that you know? You fear revenge from those you've hurt. Haha. Ha. A little <laughs> random bit of laughter at the end. Yeah. I loved it. I really did love this this crux of yeah, this piece. Yeah, and yet it's all it getting was... clouded. Things that did not reach me when I listened.
2: It. Oh,
0: but this one but actually some, grew on me. Some discussion, yeah. This
2: one specifically grew on me on the third, fourth iteration. Once I married the words with what was going on musically, I, I I don't usually call this one out, but it really added a lot to it. I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. And it felt like that sort of dreamy state that I kind of always projected onto... The gorillas, and kind of always saw with all of the video work and things like that. When you look at, you know, 192000, they're racing around in the car doing loop de loops and flying all over the place. Co- uh, the Clint Eastwood was zombies showing up everywhere. And the windmill floating island scape that was in Feel Good Inc. was like another one of those like, really, like, beautiful cartoon moments that they kept throwing in their videos. I'm getting video work in my mind of this sort of stuff going on right here. It is cartoony, and it is a little bit on the anime side, but it is still sharp. It's just that the characters, because of the way the vocals are being presented, are a little bit too blurry to really stand up to the same level of visualization that I was getting with the gorilla comparison.
0: There's another reason. Um... This is actually interesting that I'm waiting so late on the album to mention this, but the melodies in this album, in general, are kind of safe. But remember, he's also yeah. usually singing in a specific way, uh, that sort of high-pitched, somewhat, not falsetto really, but it's a little bit of a whine, though, a little, again, the reverb thing. But he that can be very pretty over the course. Yeah. I think it's been consistently pretty, his vocal style. But if you just break down the actual... You know the notes themselves that comprise that melody. It's not very substantial and doesn't really stick in your head for a very long time. Like right. it, it kind of fades sort of quickly. And of course, I think a good melody. As I've always said this is really the, the the key component to a great track. I'm not diminishing the general uh, prettiness of the lyrics. And I'm going to actually t- twist this around into a positive. I do believe that. Uh, the one good thing about these melodies is that they tend to expand. He sings his melodies slow, and right. that could conversely be another reason why we don't remember them in the end, because slow, plodding melodies, while they actually may lend some artistic air to the album, they're they're not going to stick with you. Only the, the, the most brilliantly composed slow ones are going to stick. It's kind of complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to track 12. We a family. And yes, that's... The correct pronunciation as there is no I in this, family. this particular family. 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 Mm. family. Just. Stick that landing.
1: The song at the start has an air of other tracks on the record, this kind of warmth that some of the tracks have exuded. You know, even uh, for me, mostly in the very beginning of the album, actually, is where I think it was its strongest. But uh, it does show up later on. We get that here, too. Uh besides that general sensation though of this track, uh instrumentally, this might be one of the more predictable tracks on the record. It it does fairly follow a pop structure. It Maybe pop just, rock and
2: roll. It doesn't just it 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 does follow with like a three-part chorus going on, a yeah. pre 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 and a chorus or pre
0: chorus post chorus I don't know how I want to quantify it Well it's, also the one mm. difference here just as far as your setup of this track is concerned I don't just want to put it in as part of the pack you know there's been an emotional shift here at the end That's of true. this record you know a lot of this record was kind of plotting or at least kind of contemplative in its own strange way this lifts us up to yeah. feel good track in many ways and yes it is a little a little bit simplistic in some ways a lot of it is a four chord progression uh, but then again, also, uh, we we kind of busy that up by there being a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah. A lot of these other tracks were kind of thin, and here all of a sudden we're just adding a lot back into the mix. You know, we bring back that, that brassy thing, way back from track two, from, from how In the uh, first
2: part of the chorus. Yeah,
0: that kind of weird, like, staticky brass thing. That that comes in here. It's, it's and then we go And then we go, actually, I did like uh, the second chorus part, which mm-hmm. is, I guess, like
2: the official real pre-chorus where it, it smooths out, and then it gets a little bit tittery in the notes with almost like cello work accompanying it. Mm-hmm. This combination was a interesting little groove area, but once again, we really hit the crux of the chorus with we a family, we a family, we a family, and that just goes like full pop combination taps, and sort of, a, it feels like it's like an old school, we are family kind of chorus, like reaching out, trying to be all-inclusive and everything like that. Not just through the actual word choice, but in the general presentation of it. All this isn't, it's not the end of the world, not by and large, but when the second verse comes in and we get a female vocalist, the second time we're having a guest vocalist show up on this album and something that really is opposing his voice, previously it was great. Because of the context it was put in, having you know Orwell show up and start speaking down
0: to us was cool. It was also Here, a coda. You know, this is actually suddenly thrown us into it's. It's a she's a part of the of the uh, of the verse chorus structure. So, mm. I I just felt that if it was it was kind of childish. If it felt
2: less impactful than his vocals, and having this vocalist show up and be <laughs> kind of just high pitched, really. Really preteeny in its delivery,
0: just just detracted from it. And who is this vocalist? Who is this this strange female vocalist that has entered in here? Miley Cyrus. It's actually not that
1: surprising. So <laughs> it, it's not because I Miley Cyrus has actually worked with the Flaming Lips pretty closely. Yeah, I know. And she, um, uh, the Flaming Lips co-produced a full-length album that she did with a majority of the band and it was Miley, uh, Miley Cyrus and her dead pets, I believe was mm-hmm. the name Which of the one album. Which is the more
2: recent ones, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. It
1: is the most recent one. And so her being here actually makes sense because they've been uh, working together quite a bit over the last few years. Um, I don't, I don't know that I agree with John's perspective on it. I agree that it's childlike in, in its delivery. It does feel kind of almost whimsical, but It doesn't really do anything negative or positive for me. I think it, for me, works... As well as his vocals were on this track. I think my my flaw with the track is the track as a whole, not Miley Cyrus's vocals. I, I think her vocals were well delivered and actually kind of pretty like his were. I think the overall structure of the track left
2: wa- They're me fine. wanting. They're yeah. both fine.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they are. Really a, I know, but it's also not glowing. No, here's, of course not. But
2: Here's the thing. I want to harp on one, one little thing that you did say, that it wasn't better or worse. It was just the same. But it's yes. a different vocalist. It's a different identity. Specifically, it's going from a male to a female vocalist and from a very familiar to a, an unknown entity for this album. And I will say, having them have no change in impact, to me, would actually be a bigger problem for me to be able to go. Yeah. Okay, they changed something but it didn't change anything in the long and short of it. But
1: I don't feel like it's a change. It felt natural to the song to me. That's the big thing is you're harping on it as
2: this ginormous change that It wasn't no no, it wasn't ginormous. It was a presentation of a different character and but it I was odd because that. of that and I, I it lost me on the character itself. Fair enough, but I didn't feel like it was a change in the character. I I
1: felt like the character in this track was isolated from the rest of the album and his delivery in the first verse mirrored her delivery in the second verse and even when they sang together even though their voices are not identical the kind of juxtaposition between the two vocals for the harmonies worked for me i thought it was fine enough i
0: thought it was okay yeah i, I uh, abstained from this discussion I, <laughs> I think the all i was dwelling on in this track is not necessarily how the track worked together i I will weigh on it, only to say, I think it worked fine. I don't think yeah. there's many problems within this track. It's only the context of the track on the album. Um, which, yeah, I guess we'd earned a right to kind of take a little bit of a, a step up, give the album a little bit of a, an emotional boost. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not sure I understood enough in this record to really know what, like, warranted this. Yeah. You know? I only know it from, like, certain lines and certain tracks. Maybe that's Maybe it's as simple as family is what you need in the end. I think that, and I guess this is a good place to start going into our wrap up. Take us in.
1: Um, I don't... His nonchalant description, you can find it on YouTube. If you look up the title of the album and the lead singer's name, you get his brief explanation on why they chose that name for the record. It's very nonchalant. It's very... we just was kind of cool and groovy, man. I'm oversimplifying, but that's essentially the gist of it. And I think there's a kind of laid-back, for-the-hell-of-it nature to the full record. I don't think it means that it's uninspired or that it's overly simplistic. I think it's just meant to be fairly carefree, and anything else deeper than that that we're finding in it is probably there, but it's also perspective-induced and... You know, it's for you to find. it. It's not necessarily being delivered in that way. Um, I would say that I liked quite a few tracks on this record. I just, I I think I would struggle to listen to it outside of our listen together. I don't know. I'm curious to try and listen to it in a group. In fact, I'm really curious to do a listening party for this record. I'd be really interested to do that. A, because they're just not that common anymore, but to do a book club kind of listening party with this and then chat about it a- the record afterwards, I think would be really interesting. What we do, but with other people. <laughs> well, yeah. what we, we do with, with other people, but less about the quality and more about what you got from it. And I think adding a lot more dynamic perspectives of people who maybe don't listen to music as intensely as
0: we do mm. might yield some really interesting interpretations. That's basically what I think this album, Listen... Did for me. I think yeah. it, it forced me to go back to that context. And so for me, I, I mean, again, and Steve brought this up, and it's a similar
1: struggle we had last week uh, with Smooth the Groove, but in a different way here. I think that we can definitely rate this on the whole, just based on it is an album. It's released as an album. It's by one artist, and all of that. But I think in a similar way to last week's album. There is a kind of compilation nature to parts of it. I think if you look at it as a whole, you can find a through line, but I feel like a few tracks here and there you could move around and it wouldn't really affect the flow of the record that much. Um, uh, That said, though, it's also almost unimportant to even mention that because, again, the way in which Wayne, I feel like, is embodying as the mouthpiece at least for the flaming lips uh his description of the album and kind of the work that went into it and how they wrote and how they pulled it together i don't i don't know that i can even really rate it that way like i can't take that into account i think for me i'm grading grading this finger quotes more on how it made me feel and and how i experienced it which is an interesting way to look at this album so if you don't always look at things that broadly. Um, But I don't know if it's in the upper echelon. It's tough at the end of the day because there are some interesting musical choices here. But lyrically, I'm left wanting left and right. Reading the lyrics really impacted me more, A, because of Steve's beautiful and melodious voice, (laughs) but also um, because I just, you know, I'm a lyrics guy, not as much as John is, but I like getting you know at least some sort of idea from what's being said and here it was clearly like all right here here's how I can frame it before I wrap it up and give it a rating if this were in a foreign language it wouldn't matter it absolutely wouldn't matter at all this album because I experienced this like I would experience a Rammstein album in the sense that the impact of the music and the way the album is structured is affecting me more than what is being said and so I have to look at this as a foreign language album almost. Um, so that will allow me to forgive the lyric thing. Because I don't, we didn't judge Banda Magda because we don't understand the lyrics. No, we, we appreciated how melodic her voice was, all the really cool things they did. And so I have to approach this the same way. And that's what puts it in the force for me. Is when I let go of relying on the lyrics, I can get a lot more out of the music and the things they were trying to do. But it's not much above a four, because it's. I feel like it's still not really breaking ground as far as changing the shape of psychedelic music. Uh, I think it just feels like stuff that's existed in that field, but maybe it's leaning more towards an electronic And Maybe if they d- dug even deeper into electronic and making electronica psychedelic electronica, that might be really interesting. So for me, it's an even four. It's not any higher than that. That's where I land. And again, what gets me there is removing the need for lyrics because I can't rate this harshly if I would push up a band I don't understand the language of just based
2: on the musicality. So that's where this lands for me. One of the things that something like Banda Magda did, which was make the words superfluous. Mm-hmm. Through the emotion of the vocals And it's actually I can see your point But in that case A band like them Did something amazing With vocals Where I did not feel the need to understand Was even necessary To understand The words transcended The vo- the emotions transcended This did not do that This I have to take the words into account Because some of them are actually good And some of them are kind of bad. There's a middle ground. A lot of the description that's going on here is nice and colorful and playful and childlike in that glee. But that's both a positive and negative for that. The representation of what's going on here, the sort of whimsical nature of changing the music in some of these pieces, like Galaxy I Sink, that whimsical nature is childlike. So much of this album actually feels... Childlike, where we're getting pieces, it's almost like the progression of a first thought from something simple to something profound that you really experience the oh, this is A, but A actually implies B, and I build upon this information, and all of a sudden I actually have matured as an individual. At the same time, the the simple ideas and the repetitiveness of being stuck in the whims is like uh, childlike as well where you're stuck there where you can't really understand that well yeah you you can't have a because you need to do b but why do i have to do b because of a like the there's a there's a cognitive dissidence between the two and that's represented here this is almost the portrayal of a child's mind in in music form, like the different aspects of it. And I'm, I'm actually kind of seeing it that way as sort of like, not, not necessarily child, I keep saying that, but sort of a simplification of what a person's mind is in, in auditory form, which I think is really appropriate for the intended meaning of what the title is. But... There's complexities in a human mind, be it a child, be it a toddler, that is just not being represented here. And I think a a focus on certain cognitive ideas, like the idea of tragedy or the idea of joy, has worked better in other album formats and other musical formats than trying to touch base with everything in the subconscious that this album was going for. I have to commend it for actually getting me to see something like this, to letting me see through the eyes of a child in this sort of a situation. So that's great, That's it did its job, but I don't think it did its job on the upper tier level. I think this is more of a Dr. Seuss kind of a level. Yes, it has a lot of meaning to it, and yes, it can be impactful, but there's only so much impact you can get with the cat in the hat. And I love those stories. And, and I'm using Dr. Seuss s action actual compliment still going on here. So don't send me hate mail. It does something cool, but that's not strong enough to even put it in the force for me. It's still musically going to be dragged down because I'm seeing a lot of just problems and choices. I, I got tired of a lot of the beats. I got tired of experiencing Doppler effects and ranging high and low and high and low and high and low on pitch work and a lot of the repetition that was going on right there. I wanted expansion. The tracks that expanded and build and build and build and build. Those were awesome and those are definitely the highlights. But for me, at the end of the day, this album really is it's kind of mid-road. A little bit higher but still kind of in the mid-road at a 3.5. So
0: interestingly, this album Almost gave me a feeling of deja vu in moments. I also feel it was giving me things that were wildly new in moments. I think at the end, this album is almost it's a bit of an omnivert. It is a little bit of everything. Like, if it wants to kind of just lay me back and make me think about life, it does that in moments. If it wants to kind of make me dance a little bit and make me groove to the right beat, or even introduce new types of beats, it does that several times. It really is a little bit all over the place. Sometimes it's happy-go-lucky and even frivolous with its word choice. Other times it seems very conscientious, very pointed, makes interesting points about life, and I like the poetry at the same time. Sometimes the vocals are pretty. Sometimes they're, I'm not going to say awful, but they're grating. They're purposely grating, so he tries to give you a little bit of the surreal. What do you do with an album like that? Is Is it meant to be just... One thing? Obviously not, if that's my takeaway. I think Wayne Coyne was purposely trying to do a little bit of everything here, but that's a little weird as far as how we rate, because we tend to like albums with singular concepts. Sure, we also like diverse albums. We like albums to do a little bit of everything too, but we like there to be that central idea. Maybe that's the one thing missing. The central idea here, especially when it's built off of just a phrase, oxymlody, young eyes, young eyes. I... (laughs) Maybe that goes back to the childhood thing that, that John references. I still have a hard time seeing that. I may feel deja vu at times, but I don't feel this childlike awe. I feel... I feel like a witness. I feel yeah. like a witness to I this agree. album. Um, even in the moments I really like, I feel like a witness. Maybe that's the only consistency here. And that doesn't seem like that's terribly involved. And I guess it's true that I wasn't terribly involved in this album. Even in the moments I really liked, I was projecting on it a little bit. I was putting a bit upon it. Uh, But that doesn't mean there wasn't, like, a lot of head-scratching going on. I'm not regretful that I brought this album. I'm not regretful that I... I'm I'm never regretful that I bring anything. At this point, we're all pretty uh, conscientious in in our choices. And I knew that uh, Flaming Flaming Lips was going to give us something interesting, but... I think maybe this did actually exceed my expectations, just in terms of this topsy-turvy album experience. Right. I think, I think it almost, and listeners don't uh, think that we're going to just like abandon our, our our pledge to pursue more upper echelon material. But I do think it's almost becoming, we're almost getting used to it. You know, we have we yeah. we do that for several times in a row. If we're face it, if we just sit and think. Really heavily about what we're gonna do next and we go through albums after albums like I was doing actually from several picks each Album standing in, in, a, in a lineup of like two dozen that I, I surveyed that day Then of course we're gonna turn out great one after great one after great one and We're gonna inevitably look at all the wonderful things that those albums do, but this Sometimes I think you have to take that, a leap of faith with an album. Yeah, you have to take a leap of faith And also I think that I don't want to get too comfortable with albums that are in the What we traditionally view upon, and that I think in some ways the three of us are getting molded together to come to appreciate in albums. This album threw me for a little bit. It threw me in in a few ways, actually. It threw me back to what Matt was starting to mention and was I I was starting to mention earlier on. The old way I used to listen to music, which was interesting in moments. Never had to be the end of the world from the beginning to the end, right? but interesting in moments on the personal listen and would carry over on a group listen, which is why I think that would be a really good experiment. I think this would be great background music, and for once that is not an insult. I think they are a lot of atmosphere, and that's actually another consistency this album has front to back. Am I going to amend my rating system for that? Not a lot, but only a little bit. I think if you considered albums that we'd we've been looking at, this probably would be somewhere in the threes, maybe mid, maybe even lower threes by that criteria. But it's got a little bit more going for it. I'm going to push it close to four, but not quite. I'm going to give this a 3.9. I think a slightly tighter theme and a more pronounced finale if i understood the finale which means you might even just eliminate that criteria and go right back to theme because theme would make me understand the reason for this finale better Mm -hmm. i think if that was more intertwined in this work it would easily be a four right now it is just short of it because there's a lot that i think i'm not understanding uh and if that is the flaw and i should actually just be going with the flow then maybe it's worth reconsidering on that level, and it'll make an appearance in the year in review. Yeah,
1: I think that's essentially where I landed with the four, is I kind of just accepted that
0: there's some stuff I'm not going to get, and I was along for the ride, which is fine. I'm either putting too much upon it or not putting enough upon it. Right,
2: exactly, which seems legit. And I think it's just the argument that I made of it having something that was a real cool idea shows you my distaste for all the repetition that ended up showing up in it because I put it at that three-five. I feel kind of bad for giving it that low, but honestly, I don't feel like it did anything new. And I mean, that was my big, big, big
0: issue. I do. I think it did a few things new, yeah. but they were sparse. Yeah. They were sparse. Like they said, I think, I think it's a little bit of an omnivore. It did a little bit of everything, but there certainly are entire swaths of this album that are simply familiar. Yeah. But just it's very moment by moment.
1: I think, I think me and Steve just dug a little deeper into those moments, and they were more noticeable for us. I think is what it comes down to is that those things didn't really affect you as much because you did notice the repetition so much, which mm. it seems legit.
2: Which actually seems to be a habit that's forming up. I feel like I've been a little bit harsh on things that you two have actually enjoyed a lot more.
1: recently. Well, I think it's important to note that we we our perspective shifts quite a bit, and we like as we continue to try and build out our album choices to bring on the show, we have to be somewhat self aware and understand that our our tastes are shifting. I mean, something like. that Steve brought on uh, two years ago, me and and John might not have really liked. I would have went, oh, cool, but...
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Whereas, you know, I think something like um, Godsticks continues to be enjoyed by all three of us because we all find something different in Godsticks that we like. We don't consistently... If you go back and listen to our wrap-ups on Godsticks, we never consistently laud... All the same things. There's some overlap, but we usually focus in on certain Actually, things. Actually, that tends True. to be...
2: Uh, when we hit that four nine four eight level, we tend to be a little bit on the homogenous side, but there's always something that sticks out more than everything else. Right. And it used to be in the back of the good old days. Uh, I was word, Steve was uh, form, and Matt was emotional context. And kind of like, we try... <laughs> the
0: simple days, when everyone knew their role and mentality. stuck to it.
2: We try to keep that mentality, because it actually worked in the beginning for us to figure out how to do it reviews. It gave us some guidelines.
0: Yeah. Because no one was expecting the other person's perspective in many ways. Yeah. yeah, but we've also started calling
2: Matt out on that sort of stuff when we were doing our, our pre recording listens and stuff like that. But it's mostly, no, 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 because I know you have it in you <laughs> to give me further reasons for that sort of well, stuff. Well, these but days. it was also
1: the same thing as like Steve at first was not very heavily focused on looking at lyrics,
0: and more and more he's I had gotten actually, deeper. Oh, God,
1: but the amount, there, of, time, the amount of words been, I wrote but, down.
0: But it's also lyrics pro- were always very secondary for me only because I always considered that it was a weird little addendum to music itself. Poetry exists, so I always was like, eh, it's just. There, if i but was going to really read. That's read...
2: the thing I can't get my head around. I know. Around. One yeah. of your favorite bands but, is lyrically so amazingly strong. But think, but that's no, not what but, you
0: lauded when you told me about them. No, but think about what I really like about the December's lyrics. There are some, some of his songs. They either, all right, they're either totally about just the atmosphere itself, right? They're always just the, the, his world that he's created where he's kind of Irish and he's in the right. 19th century and, and that's obviously not true. But in which case, it's just really a, uh, it's, it's scene painting with yeah. his lyrics. It's not the same kind of like, ah, oh, think about life the way that Colin Malloy thinks about it. It's think about it in the language that he uses. Right. In other words, it's not always the same pointed stuff. It's just oh my god, the way he said that. Yeah. In which case, it's more musical. I think that's the reason. So I was actually pretty consistent in one words, of the reasons I like. Words like, like high
2: guy, which I probably never actually heard uttered aloud, except in geography class is like that's head turning just vocabulary alone he was just he's just amazing vocabulary is musical
1: to me the point I think I was was trying to make yes words are musical Uh, words are musical and musical is life I don't know anyway um, I don't know I was trying to make a joke and then it fell apart halfway through I can do that Uh, make jokes no you can't Okay, Um, let them fall apart But no, I think it's it's actually been really fascinating to me to see how our rating systems have also shifted as we have influenced each other. And I agree with Steve. I think the, the real test in bringing on some more independent stuff has really surprised, allowed us to surprise each other. Like, I will be flat out honest about Dan Bull. I never expected Steve to like
0: it. I really didn't. I thought... Yeah. I thought it would be too simplistic for him. And to me, it's almost for the same exact reason as Colin Malloy. Yeah. Because I, I have been saying that line over in my head for the past three weeks. My dentist was always the gentlest. She never did a thing that was senseless. She sensibly selected medical consensus over aesthetic pretenses. Yeah. I love that turn of phrase. Yeah. And it's exactly the kind of thing. say, So what if it's in yeah. hip-hop? It's the yeah. kind of turn of phrase that Colin Malloy would come up with in certain right. contexts. Sure. I, I like things that roll off the tongue. and In many ways, I... I, I do feel like I, I prefer them over the things that have the deeper meaning that you'd have to, like, sit with for a little while. It's not that I'm, like, opposed to doing, but that, that's actually the second level because there needs to be some, some something shiny. Something shiny on top, and that is the thing. And it's probably why I'm actually, like,
2: I've looked at pieces here that I just didn't like, but some people, you have to acknowledge the quality of, of their music. As much as I may not like the music, and I know Matt's in the same spot as me. That uh, we, we don't necessarily like what we're listening to, but there's just a level of quality that, honestly, I wouldn't have seen before this this experiment of of musical understanding and everything like that that well, we've yeah. been on for four plus years now.
0: All right, so we all have come a long way, but I also one of the you know one of the reasons we're talking about this as a topic is because I guess this album almost reminded me a little bit of what could potentially be lost. Yeah, You know, it's not, and it's, of course, it's not like this is the only way we listen to music. Occasionally we will go through spells where sometimes we're, like, so immersed in in the album or rather it becomes the duty of the week and then I actually do have to set other things aside. But otherwise, we do still have that other... Part, it's just that becomes a more difficult thing to if this is the music that we're talking about all the time Then this becomes the de facto way in which music is discussed within yeah. our little universe right. And that can be a dangerous thing mm-hmm. I guess it can be dangerous in other areas of culture about other subjects Whenever you get involved in your little bubble and your way of understanding concepts, then I think it's, it, That's always dangerous no matter what side you're on. It's just always dangerous. We well, yeah, so, it's creating force this, yourself out of it It's kind of creating an echo chamber and sometimes yeah. the three of us create a musical echo chamber
1: echo chamber where we're repeating each other we've done it there are plenty of reviews in our backlog where we mirror each other because we're in such agreement that we're at a loss of actually being descriptive and i find that those reviews don't tell you as much as something like this where we were at odds completely at different moments
2: sadly they tend to be some of the things that we probably most favorably enjoy yeah too because going back and like listening? there's only so many times you can laud the same exact reasons why it's awesome especially yeah. things like vocal or a specific instrument just always being awesome and on point and yeah. like defies explanation and you can only defy explanation once <laughs> and then you have to explain it
0: why it defies the same explanation 12 more times on an album I how do you do that do believe there's going to come a time in in the distant future of this podcast not anytime soon, but if life ever got really busy, where like the schedules were just a little bit too tightly knit, we would have to make the sacrifice of the group listen mm-hmm. prior to recording. If that ever happened, I have mixed feelings about it. Because yeah. number one, it the reason we've always traditionally done it is because it kind of at least gets us in sync with what we're talking about. Yeah. When we're talking about a specific section, it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad, are we on the same page? Are you yeah. talking about the exact timestamp that I'm yeah. discussing right now? You wouldn't be able to have much of a discussion at that point. In which case, we'd all have to be really, really thorough with our notes. So we'd probably maybe have to uh, double-check a couple things, have at least a quick five-minute discussion yeah. beforehand. Uh, otherwise, just hope that we've learned enough over the years of doing this that we would we would know what to say yeah. in order to get the other person to say, yeah, I know the section you're talking about. It. That would be the challenge. The benefit could be that we'd be back to more of a blank slate, being yeah. like, there's there's definitely no chance that we all got blended, that we all yeah. got put in a blender. We all heard it in a distinctly unique way, and we all showed up, and one person goes on a rant being like, I love that section, and we have the advantage of perhaps there being an, a, a good old-fashioned contentious debate, being like, you heard what? Yeah. Kind of like what we experienced in Galaxy I think. And actually, that's why I, th- I actually dry- enjoy
2: the stuff that we kind of don't feel is five star or near five star or stuff like that. Because when we start getting things that are, quote, mainstream or, quote, just good or great or in the three to four and a half range, when you start narrowing it down to like that three and a half, four range, I find that to be some of our... Best discussions when we start talking about the music because we have to find the positives and negatives to give us our our rating number at the end of the day. We have to find out why we gave it a three five instead of a three. They're six the most challenging so on so
0: on. ones, you know. If you go to something that's really, really just a great album by all respects, then some of the long rants that I go on about. Things that I really love with the album, they're almost random. Like, there are many yeah. things I love about the album, so to me, it's like just a smorgasbord in front mm. of me where I pick a thing that I happen to really like next to another thing that I really like, and I just say, I guess this is going to be my rant for the day. Yeah. I could do a rant for every single moment, and this would be a 10-hour-long podcast. It just kind of in, in showing a sample of the types of things that the album offers. You have to stretch yourself a little more and actually give the album a leap of faith, like you said, if it's something that is not constantly Allowing you. And what's really good is that when we start trying to think of both positives and
2: negatives, because we have to say, well, why isn't it a five? All we did was laud well, we it. Well, because of A, B, C, D, it actually gives us our best conflict. Especially before we do our recording, where we can actually stop listening to the album for like five minutes, like we're we're two thirds of the way through a song and we know we're gonna have to pause right here because there's gonna something that's gonna come up and I didn't like it and Steve liked it and met somewhere in between or pick a combination of yeah, those yeah. three names mixed up together. And those are actually we, we those are some of the coolest things that we do just off air and I don't think they really need to be on air. Just peer behind the curtain though. It's when we get kind of ranty and we get a little bit heated and we actually get contentious with one another and we we don't know why we're disagreeing and it's a great point so we don't know why we're necessarily disagreeing but we know we disagree we have to come up with the elegant language that we're going to repeat into this microphone sitting in front of us
0: over the course of a two hour long yeah. podcast. I love that. I yeah. love that part. It was initially so much more. It was initially supposed to be the point of the series. Uh, It's just that we were bad at doing it in the beginning because we did not have the words, we didn't have the vocabulary, um, and we definitely let our feelings cloud the work itself very often. Like, it would be the opposite way around, where someone is really just more concerned about being on the right team like i had my team in mind and now i'm going to argue that and that that has ceased to be a a component in the series for a long time
1: the the i actually have a really fun way to close out this conversation and i'm hoping that both of you can do it because i can easily do it there's i feel like each of us has one episode where we feel like no matter what we did and how we felt we couldn't convey to the other two hosts why something was great to us. I could think of three albums. Well, pick your top one. Because for me, I have an easy go to, and it's the Everlast Acoustic album that I brought on. Mm. For me, I loved and still love that record. But f- at, no matter what I did around every corner, I couldn't convey to either of you. Me and John were mm-hmm. pretty oppositional. Yeah. And I couldn't convey why I liked it. But to this day, I still do. But to this day, I still don't know that I have necessarily the words to express. Why? And that's what frustrates me the most
0: about that episode, is I feel like I left that album down because I did not have the words to convey my feelings. I have exactly the same feeling towards... And, and it's not that you guys, like, hated it by any stretch, but I believe I, I would have done it much better justice today in making certain arguments. You can't take it with you by as tall as lions. Mm-hmm. It was episode three. We were recording on an iPad. <laughs> yeah. It was horrendous. I, I, As far as I... This is my take on that episode. I, yeah. I, I, I feel like... I did not adequately convey what was so amazing about that record. I yeah. just, I just stumbled through it, and John also remember the context of those early listens. Yeah. No one took it home. Yeah, we sat there and heard it in one go, and yeah. and that was it. I had, I had beloved, been in love with that album for like maybe yeah. two years straight, and then all of a sudden, John just heard it like right there, right there yeah. on. Okay, yeah, they're both speakers, but, like, it's, it's, <laughs> he was sitting on the opposite side of the room. I was convinced that so much was lost there, and I actually think John would really like it if he actually had the context uh, that he had today. But, whatever, that was episode three. We had to take a few hits, a few personal hits, for us to get here. One of my favorite albums is still, is Always and Forever Will Be, ARCA.
2: Like it's just awesome, and as much as you two were like really on board, we were the original was four eight four eight nine and five out of the three of us. I was the only five, but like we were like I was the four eight nine. I remember we that. were like there, uh-huh. like it was near perfect for you two, and I still want to make that
0: a five star like you don't in know your that. ears, yeah. like I still would want that album. It's, I, I still I wanna, listen I constantly. I want to both exaggerate that and go in completely the opposite direction. First, to exaggerate it, we all gave God six a five. Right. The visits Conundrum of five. No, actually, John was a 4.9 uh, yeah. oh, originally. Yeah. He later upgraded uh, yes. it to a five in a year in review. But so it's still only a 4.9 on the list. It's still a 4.9 on the list. We still have not had yeah. any initial five just from episode on. Like yeah. five stars all around. But for an album that perfect... There's so much more I would say yeah. on that album. That <laughs> oh, was yeah. episode 51. I it's still like very early barely in our conveyed catalog.
1: I how perfect it was for us. All right, now let me go but in the
0: opposite direction. I really thought you were going to bring up Somer by Deep Chord, yeah. which is one of our lowest rated, and probably, I think, the moment where you were kind of defending something. You didn't love it, but you defended it, and me and John, wish me and Matt I, were really. You know what? Really that was, that was
2: another one, but I don't feel for Deep Chord. Okay. The way I feel for Arca. I know. So I I don't want to go back and revisit that. But I wish I had done a better job defending it. Because I think it is better than what you guys gave it credit for. At the same time, some of the later pieces I brought on, like Lo Sil, like, I think I would have done a better job with Deep Chord if I had the same sort of language and terminology I had for Arca and Lo Sil. Sure. Because those were... Or Tim Hecker. Like, these are albums that are like very difficult for me to describe something without using words Yeah, sure. to use, to
0: use as reference points in the song. Paul's so. line, you can't take it with you, would have gotten nine minute long spiels from me. <laughs> <laughs> At least, I don't for, think for we track. did spiels then. Back, then, back, back then I was just like, hey, I really love this album, hope you guys do. <laughs> <laughs> but as much as we're talking about like the best
2: and the worst of what we brought on... And we're gonna talk about my worst because you guys are always pointing that one out, uh, or the best Steve of what Corn we brought on. It was, but it's better <laughs> than he gave it credit for. It. Anyway, moving on. It's still back into a topic of reminiscing. It's it's well, no, it's the mid range that always, it always is some of the like most enjoyable discussions
1: and the juiciest albums to pick apart. I yes, think. yeah. Even when
2: though they are torn may... in
0: one way or the there's
2: other, there's less. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? As long as they're, as long as they are not the best, but also not the worst, and also not mainstream. Well, what's the when we go when we go at a three two three 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 five, and we feel like it's just kind of like the mainstream equation, and makes a three five, because this today's album as a three five is not like a lot of the other three fives we've done, mm. which have been you know generic. I don't think I ever used the word generic on this piece. And if
0: I did, I apologize now. I don't think I've used that word in ages. A long time. To describe anything we look at. But I
1: I thought of the word I was trying to think think of. So thank you, John. Um, I think our podcast is at its best when we have very little hyperbole. And when we're dealing with fives or twos or lower there's a lot of hyperbole. This is the worst. This is the best. Like, Hasn't an Aliens, listening back to it, I love Robert and I loved his performances. It was a pleasure to have him on, but there was a ton of hyperbole in that there episode. There was.
0: We, um, yeah. I think a, a lot, of, sometimes we get a little bit jazzed when we have a guest present. Yeah. You know, and sometimes we're a little bit more animated. Yeah. I do think that is the benefit, even though I really would like to have a few more guests, I still <laughs> think that is the one benefit when we return to a, a realm where it's just kind of the three of us, where yeah. we know we know when, when one of us is getting, is is getting a little testy, yeah. you know. We we detect it, and usually they detect it too, yeah. and then they have to kind of double back and then recheck themselves, being like, "No, I probably am, yeah, I probably am putting too much upon that particular that particular track." In which case, yeah, that album probably was not nearly as bad as we made it out to be. I still do, do not think it was good, no, by any stretch. De- definitely not. Uh, there are very few albums though that I've rated on that scale. I think that they may inspire me to. to Take a look at that again. Yeah.
2: Which is why I want to do one final thing to our listeners out there. Uh, We love your suggestions. In fact, FFS is still one. (laughs) It's like the greatest thing I've ever listened to in, in general for this podcast. But instead of trying to tell us your best, give us your most mediocre that does weird. That is what we... I think, I, I guess at the end of the day, find to be the most stimulating conversation-wise. And I hope you guys agree with that, that it, it tends to be the best way for us to have discourse on this. So next time we get a suggestion, we're actually going to be looking for something that isn't five-star. Sure. Or two-star. We want a three-and-a-half that's kind of weird in well, ways. Well, I
1: think also what's interesting about our listeners and when they recommend something is that they often recommend stuff they're very passionate about. And I think that goes a long way also because we can get a sense of how passionate they are about music in general. The people who are listening to us and who are recommending stuff are Mm. clearly as passionate as we are, or they're just throwing us a bone, which has
0: happened sometimes. I I think at some point I should make a little, uh, put a little piece of copy somewhere on the website. I mean, like, if you would like to uh, recommend an album, just remember this is probably. This, these are probably some of your best bets, you know, yeah. either if, if there's an album you don't like and you're willing to hear at least some alternate perspectives, yeah. right? Because I feel that whatever we go into an album with, we will always now try to put ourselves in the mind of the exact opposite. Yeah. Uh, if 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 not, then what's the point of doing this? Right, exactly. Like, if we already decided why would we gather once a week and, and you know, waste fast, six, six to seven hours of our lives, you do that to get the opposite perspective and sure. to put yourself in the shoes. Um, Also, just last little thing, John just mentioned FFS. By FFS, and said it's one of the greatest things he's ever heard in this podcast. That's and, uh, hyperbole. It's that is, if very, I've ever heard it it. is a little bit of hyperbole there. So, but, but what, I, what, would, what would you say if I said I happened to listen to it was a while back, several weeks ago? I listened to Music A to Z podcast. They did the Franz Ferdinand episode, mm-hmm. and they went through most of the Franz Ferdinand al- albums. They did not uh, discuss in depth FFS because it had only just been released when they did that episode. Mm-hmm. But they mentioned that it existed, and they said they scanned through it. They listened to a few tracks. It was okay. Okay with that. Like just with the comparison, which yeah, I mean, just saying it's. And I, I was, I wasn't like yeah, you know offended normal, by any. But as we I just, the- I thought was, I actually laughed when I heard that because I was, it was funny to hear a, a sensible, like level-headed when we were like our heads were exploding right. at, from track to track on that record. But I think because they only give it a cursory scan, could be they missed a lot of what we got from digging deep. Could be that. Could be taste. Could be anything. they're in another universe. That's true. The Vancouver yeah. universe. <laughs> in the Vancouver Stop universe. Stop throwing my world apart. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, actually, I am, am going to throw your world apart, or maybe not, with the music term of the week. Uh, this one I thought I'd try for a little bit of an easy one, but it's actually, a, it's both a music notation symbol, and it's also the name for the performance direction, as well as the name for the symbol itself. And I've definitely mentioned this on the podcast before, so maybe I won't be throwing your world upside down, but, but whether we've... Whether we know the name of this thing or not, you've all heard it. We hear performers do it all the time, and I usually mention its name alongside its definition for the sake of building the vocab of anyone listening. And today, I'm formalizing. It's time to see if you guys remember what a fermata is. That's louder. No. Yeah, it's louder. It's the F no. symbol, isn't it? No. No, that's that's forte.
2: Ah, oh, damn it! I got those confused. A Actually, no. Side so like note: I saw a forte breakfast food. listing of 27 <laughs> fortés. We'll only be fortes. purchased in Roma.
0: 27 fortes? That, someone dies playing that. I can imagine. Yeah, right. you, you can be amplifying. <laughs> Remember, these aren't like fixed symbols. If, you, if your idea of very, very, very loud is just, ah, then, well, you're a weirdo, but that's possible. Yeah, but 27 fortes All written right. in actual notation. I'll nutrition. bite. Anyway, it It means to pause on the given note or rest. Uh, uh, okay. and, and the symbol, by the way, looks kind of like a bird's eye hovering above the note in the sheet mm-hmm. music. It's a dot with a semicircle enclosing it from the top. It looks sort of like an eyelid. And the word is from the Italian fermare, meaning to stop. But you don't actually stop playing. Instead, you stop counting. And you simply hold the note, or perhaps even the rest, for an unspecified length of time. And that's key, because how long you hold it is left entirely up to performer's discretion, interrupting your inner metronome with a moment of suspense. So depending on the piece of music, you can take that as subtle as just being barely longer than the beat itself, or spectacularly overblown, like the familiar stereotype of the soprano at the end of the opera, like holding Holding the note... (laughs) Shattering glass and yeah. after five minutes it's like why has this woman not passed out? <laughs> yes. That is impossible. How can you do air for five minutes? That's like well. you can't actually like the vocal cords in the way to breathe. Well that's why it's out. performer's discretion. Because <laughs> likely if she's uh getting to the point where she's gonna pass out, she'll have the sensibility to Get, Let go of the note. Like I don't go know. The note. I, don't but know. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's performer's discretion if you're a soloist, but it's conductor's discretion if you're in an orchestra. In other words, obviously that would make sense to make your own rules when you have to be beholden and be equal to all the other people around you. So often you'll see a conductor run through a passage and then suddenly hold the baton up in the air and hold that there. After he's going one, two, three, four, you know down, left, right, up, and he holds it there. And that way everyone knows to hold the same note as the baton is in the air drumming up the suspense as the performers wait with beta breath for the conductor to jump right back into the piece and return to a more fixed rhythm. Or perhaps not, because, like I said, it's common to find these formadas at the ends of pieces. Uh, the very last note held for dramatic effect. All eyes on the conductor hold, 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 until he lets the baton down and it's over. Like, that, Yeah, each one of those could theoretically be fermata, 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 fermata in a row. Uh, But if you do need an example of one at the beginning of a piece, look no further than Beethoven's fifth. Oh, yeah, sure, of course. That's a fermata. That's a fermata. Really, you can hold it for as long as you want? Yeah, you know why? That's why you hear such incredible variance in the media over the interpretation and the length of that specific note. Because if you were to just play that straight and you were to ignore the fermata, then you'd have a much more rigid-sounding... (laughs) da 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 not very dramatic yeah. very short right yeah. and then of course you add the fermata and all of a sudden becomes da 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 see i stopped the metronome the metronome all of a sudden doesn't exist very impressive, Steve. That's, like your your best. Giger- that's his best you. to date.
2: Yeah, I'd that's say that's, that was his that best. That was actually date. really good. It's Beethoven's I enjoyed it. fifth. It's no, 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 and I don't mean Beethoven. I mean that, 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 that term. That, definition, yeah. that, that term. That was really You bad. also
0: may infer from that uh, beat also, snap that is actually in 2 4 time. You also can't do Forte now as well. I'm sorry for that. I mean, I don't want to hurt listeners' ears. I no, but I don't want to yell. I'm saying you can't do it as a definition. Why would I do that? I need to compress the definition. audio anyway. mad. Sure. This is
2: me pushing this along and going, hey, what are we doing next week? So next week I'm bringing on a band.
1: Uh, I'm bringing us back actually to the uh, driven band by one man. your Trent Reznor and Nine Chnails, uh Abandoned Pools when we did them back in the day, that kind of stuff. Um, real is- Perchance, in sort the Sort
2: of. The, the DJ
1: actually contributes a lot to Gorillas most of the time, so that less so. But I appreciate the enthusiasm. So um, I was a big fan of something corporate in the 90s and 2000s. Oh. Um, I also like Jack's Mannequin when they shifted to that band name. And now um, Andrew McMahon is back, but he's now Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness is the name of the newest version of the band. That band still plays a lot of the older stuff. He, of course, wrote... All of those songs. Um, And he's got a brand new record called Zombies on Broadway, and we will be taking that on next week. I think it's interesting because his career got shaken up based on a a pretty severe medical diagnosis um, that he thought was kind of going to ruin his career. And then he rebounded and recovered. And so now this band, I think, reflects a lot of that joy and kind of newfound life that he's found. Um, But I'm excited to take it on also because. He's, this is another band, sort of like your experience with um, the Flaming Lips, that I've liked. I like an album by them a lot. And then mm. most of the other stuff has just been cursory Listens. And so I'm really interested to dive deep into his stuff because I find on the whole I enjoy a lot of it. So that's what we'll take on next week. Um, thank you, of course, as always, for listening. In case you've forgotten, suddenly, where to find us on the internet, we, of course, are on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, we're working, iTunes,
2: working, Stitcher. We're figuring out the Reddit stuff. That might be happening sometime, too. Maybe and Steve were actually talking about that earlier. So um, look at that. So you are going to
0: hear it in just a moment. Remember I, I recorded know. that thing?
1: Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> we, actually, ago, we haven't brought this up in a while, but of course, if you'd like to help us grow and expand, we uh, do take donations on the website. Um, we're always constantly looking to for ways to improve the website and this podcast. So we thank you in advance for anything you throw our way. Um, Thank you for listening as always. And remember,
0: as one final note, music is life. And and life life is is good.